Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking what's hot at CES 2018, how the Overwatch League can be a big hit for esports, and why Iron Man is the most important movie in the MCU. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And hello, everyone. Thanks for stopping by the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Got my main man here, Josh Peterson, stopping by in a sec, but I wanted to let you know we've got a great show indeed. We've got a lot of talk about the Consumer Electronics Show, which took place this week, also as well overwatch a lot of great things going on in their new esports league and why iron man could be the key component in the marvel cinematic universe plus also as well rob McCallum will be stopping by with his backed or busted crowdfunding does he back a proposed game called xeno crisis or does he jettison as he says out the airlock He's going to be sharing his thoughts on whether he's going to back it or bust it. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the main man with Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. How's it going, my friend? Hey, hey, hey. Just I'm just catching up on my video games. You know, I've been sitting here all week playing Wolfenstein. And dang, man, that game is a psychological mess. Amazing game. Just really just terrifying, though. I've heard nothing but uh, top 10 lists and and a lot of great word of mouth on it. So I'm glad you're enjoying it, at least, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've just finished it maybe like a couple hours ago. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was just, it was like shocking, though, a lot of it. And I can see why it's so socially relevant. And it's it's a beautiful game, just terrifying. Uh, but that's good. I can't wait to sink my teeth into it. Hopefully I will be able to get it at some point in time down the road because I, I personally enjoyed the first one and I've heard nothing but great things as well on the second. So definitely looking forward to that indeed. But I know you'll be back in a little bit talking a lot of great pop culture and also as well telling us later in the show everything that's going on with your awesome channel, Humanic Media. Josh, we got to get things started with CES. The Consumer Electronics Show took place this week in Las Vegas, and while you were playing video games, I was experiencing all the great things in Consumer Electronics with the Consumer Electronics Show, and I'll tell you what, it was another 
big performance this year in audio and video and robotics and virtual reality. And there was really no central theme or, or no central push. Some years it's like, okay, we just got into 4K. 4K is this great technology. Let's go ahead and everybody produce something that is 4K related. Or if it's, oh, it's, it's USB-C, just came out. Oh, it's great. Let's just produce something that, that has USB-C capability. Or I remember when about three, I want to say about four or five years ago, when Android consoles were the rage and everybody wanted to have Android consoles as part of their their you know their whole lineup and and at least have one thing that represented the Android console capability, uh, just little things like that. Virtual reality. I remember when that was big, with a whole bunch of startup companies really wanted to get into that. But I noticed this year it was just a lot of mix mashing, a lot of of representation of of where people think the future is for a lot of stuff. Everything seemed to be the world's first, the world's most, the world's best, the world's largest, the world's fastest, the world's biggest. And just seemed to be everybody was bragging about how their products were the best at something, but none of them seemed to really go well and beyond the innovation platform because I think it's it's really I don't want to say the consumer electronics platform is kind of like at a standstill. There's still places for where it's growing and where it's going. And I know there were a lot of nice novelty things there as well. I know a lot of people were laughing as far as with when it comes to the robotics or the, the ping pong, automatic ping pong player and all that kind of cool stuff. But I really wanted to focus on televisions, 4K, even 8K was shown off in great detail, but it's kind of have a hard time getting anybody to really talk about all the different platforms that should be out on 4K. Because Josh, when you think about it, there's not a whole lot that's really out there that shows off what you can do in 4K, is there? No, I mean, I think the, the technology, like the as far as the consumer technology is just now catching up to, because you go a couple of years back, like you, you know, computers wouldn't even process 4K footage. Like when I would try to edit something shot on like a Panasonic GH5, which is 4K, my, you know, none of my Adobe programs would process it. My computer would take forever to load it up. And, you know, this year we're finally getting, um, you know, 4K Blu-ray players are, are starting to appear in the market. You got the Xbox One X, which is 4K gaming. Cable stations are now able to broadcast in 4K. So this is, I think this year, like, or 2017 to 2018, like this is the beginning of like 4K consumerism. And uh, it's just something that wasn't available available before. So I can I only see things kind of increasing from here. But the question is, you know, it is the same thing. Like when Blu-ray came out, a lot of people were unaware of the fact that you can't play a Blu-ray on like a DVD player. So it's just it's a it's all about knowledge and how how they market, who they market to. But um, you know, 4K is beautiful, and it's just. It just you know, and I know a lot of people who look at it this way too. Like they say, technology changes too fast. So why do I need to keep upgrading everything? So they just need to, you know, make the buyers feel safe that this is going to be a thing for a while. Well, it comes to this for me that when it comes to 4K, I need more platforms to be able to decide what I want to show it off on. 
4K televisions were huge when it came to U.S. retail sales in the holidays, especially Black Friday. 4K TVs were being bought up by so many different people at so many different outlets. The problem is, there, like you said, coming into 2018, there were just a limited number of outlets that people were distributing in 4K. DirecTV, Netflix were in 4K, and pretty much after that, there was not as much to choose from which is kind of disappointing. So as more individual outlets, as more individual services, Hulu, you know, streaming services such as that, maybe the Disney Channel when it comes around, cable stations that are finally getting into gear and realizing that 4K is a thing and that they need to go ahead and develop quickly, hopefully that technology will be able to be taken advantage of because I, I plan to get a 4K TV hopefully at some point in, in the nearer future as opposed to a distant, distant one. And I, I know that one of the things I want to do is obviously get nice 4K Blu-rays, Blade Runner 2049 at the top of my list, and so many others that I want to be able to exploit it, plus also as well use that consumer technology to really take advantage of that processing. Also other great things that were out there, I know Bluetooth and wireless technology was at a premium at Consumer Electronics Show. A lot of things uh, that really wanted to go ahead and market itself did so in a wireless fashion headsets, microphones, and, and so much more were really being pushed as a Bluetooth or wireless option and also as well working with Alexa and Google Home. And, and that seemed to be almost like a 50-50 type deal as far as a lot of peripherals really focusing on that. So I ask you, Josh, with all these peripherals, whether it's a alarm clock, whether it's speakers, whether it's headphones, what have you in the marketplace that are out there, and especially at Consumer Electronics Show that I saw that are really pushing that aspect, what are your thoughts on the Amazon Echo and Google Home taking up so much importance within the consumer electronics industry? I don't know how I feel about it like home, uh, you know, systems that run the electronics in your home. I, you know, I, am not like envisioning a Skynet scenario, but I, it's just, it, I, maybe I don't understand the appeal. It's just cause a lot of people I know who have it, they just have it because they like to, you know, run everything off of an iPad or they like to have it so they can just say that they have it. They're one of those people that has to constantly be upgrading whenever new things come out. So Good for them, and if it makes life more convenient, that's 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 great. But um, you know, I have yet to see a uh, a use for it personally where I need it. So I think the technology is amazing, and I'm curious to see where it, where it's going to go. But I guess in the end, it's going to be a matter of uh, you know, like everything, Google versus Amazon. So we'll, we'll see like who comes out victorious in that battle. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do you have you incorporated any of that into your home, or do you have any um, desire to? I don't have really a desire to or need to unless I want to say, Alexa, please play the pop culture cosmos or Google Home, please play What About This Podcast. You know, that that's what I want to do with it. And it really would be just for me and just, just listening to that because I really don't have a need to really utilize that in a, in probably the, the fullest way possible. I mean, I can find most of the, those things out real easily just by a couple 
switches, a couple flips, and a couple swipes from my mobile phone. So it really doesn't help me that much per se, but I know a lot of people it's interested in. I have the Connect, so I'll tell you what, even though that's now a passe technology, it started incorporating a lot of those ideals first ahead of the Google Home and the Amazon Echo. It's something that that I guess it's there. It's it's kind of cool technology, but it's something I don't need. And I'm not sure a whole lot of people need it, but it's kind of like a great novelty to have. So I know it is selling well for both entities at this point in time. But it was nice to see all those consumer electronics out there. And it was just nice to see everybody going ahead and having a positive attitude about showing off their products a lot from all over the world, from all corners of the globe that just really wanted to go ahead and show off their products. A lot of Chinese influence, France, Canada, Italy, England, just a lot of great overseas representatives were there as well that really made it something special that a lot of people could really get into with all this great stuff coming down the pike. So it'll be definitely great to see where the consumer electronics industry is headed, what technologies will be coming through and what items that people eventually will want and desire when most of these brand new products will come out later this year and even during the holiday season, because that's what it's all about. A lot of the stuff that they show at the Consumer Electronics Show are not available now, but will be down the road. What are your thoughts on the Consumer Electronics Show this year at CES 2018? Was there a lot of cool things that you saw that you really liked or did you even care about it at all? Or were there something that you really thought stuck out to you that you're really hoping to get more into and get more information on as it comes out at hopefully some point in time this year so that you can get a jump on why it really could be a consumer electronics choice for you down the road? Share your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by after the break. He's going to be talking Xeno Crisis. Does he want to back it or bust it? He's going to share his thoughts on whether he wants to go ahead and support this project or not that's currently in a crowdfunding mode. That's coming up after the break. Also as well, Josh and I are going to be talking a lot about the Overwatch League and how important it could be for esports in the future. And also as well, why Iron Man is or maybe isn't the most important cog in the wheel that keeps on turning with the Marvel Semantic Universe. We're going to share our thoughts on how important it is to that great universe indeed. But first, we've got my good friend, Warren Fernandez. This is Mountain View. And this is off of his Emoji Engine album, which you can get today on Bandcamp. And this is the PCC Multiverse.
Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Are you looking for a podcast that's a little bit out of the ordinary, a little bit crazy, and a little bit on the rambunctious side? Well, if I got something for you, it's called Vitamin Geek Podcast. My name's Corey Keelan. I'm the host and creator of Vitamin Geek Podcast, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my show. Each episode, I'm coming to you with whatever I think is important at the time. Maybe it's a new movie. Maybe it's a comic book. Maybe it's horror. Maybe it's drag queens. Who knows? I love to talk, and I'd just love to get you guys involved in the conversation. I invite you all to check out my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash vitamin geek podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. So please join me and check us out here, Vitamin Geek Podcast, here on the ESO Network. Welcome to another episode of Backed or Busted. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob. If you need help with your crowdfunding campaign, email us at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com. Happy to highlight it here on the program and see if it's truly amazing or if it's, in fact, busted. All right, today we're going to highlight a project on Kickstarter called Xenocrisis. Let's jump over there right now and take a look. So here we are on Kickstarter, and like I said, we're taking a look at Xenocrisis. It's a new game for the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive. Of course, that was one of my favorite consoles growing up, so if you're a video game fan, you might just love today's episode. As you can see, they're doing extraordinarily well. They're looking for 20,000 pounds, and they're at over 55,000 pounds. That translates into American dollars of almost $75,000. They have three days to go as of this recording. Hopefully there'll be uh, a day or so left by the time this gets out there. And it is also a Kickstarter project that they love. So that's all good. There's a lot of things to like about this so far. Let's dive in and look at their pitch video to see if the goods continue there. Bitmap Bureau presents Xeno Crisis. And uh, again, this is a top-down arcade-style shooter for Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive, taking inspiration from classics like Smash TV and Contra. That is certainly uh, certainly the case here, as, as you can tell. I'm just going to step through the trailer, as we always do, or the pitch video, rather, as, uh, as, we, as I want to break down some things. First, it definitely, I'm guessing that's going to be the title screen, since it says press start. We get the awesome Genesis-like music coming in. This definitely feels like Smash TV to me. Uh, I like the cutscene graphics as well. It feels and looks very much like like a Contra Smash TV uh, crossover, as they say right up here. You're obviously battling some different xenomorphs, like from the, the franchise Aliens, hence Xeno Crisis. Um, it says everything it's supposed to say, and the length is great at 124. 
I guess it would have been nice to hear from the creators uh, to talk about exactly why they want the money, uh, have that bundled within the pitch video rather than just showcasing it. But very small knocks uh, to this. It, it does get a little repetitive, and but you know people that want to invest, whatever they're going to be asking for, it, it's better to show more gameplay than less gameplay. Gamers can be very uh, critical and, and dive deep into what you're trying to offer them. They're, they're not pushover, so you really got to showcase as much as you can. It, uh, they're doing a good job here. I like the continue screen here, and when you continue, cuts to another little fun angle. And this is obviously in a 4x3 ratio, just like the Genesis. So some good stuff there, guys. Well done. We'll pause that there, and we'll just scroll down. We're just going to take a look at the, the body of the campaign. So we got a nice Xenocrisis Genesis uh, image, and you can see that it's an actual cart that's going in there. So Xenocrisis is a new original title for the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis and Dreamcast. Okay, so that wasn't in the title, so that's really interesting. Which will both be released as a physical cartridge and also as a downloadable ROM. At its core, it's an arena shooter, two players, and you can see all the different games that it takes uh, inspiration from. We mentioned Contra and Smash TV. Uh, we want the game to feel, look, and sound like a classic Mega Drive game of the 80s and 90s, but also wanted to add some new elements that weren't so common for games of that area, like procedural map generation and randomization. That's kind of cool. Achieving the classic look and feel is very important to us, which is why we've teamed up with legendary pixel artist uh, Hank, which is awesome, who's worked on Mega Drive titles, uh, Misadventures of Flink, uh, by Saigonis. Not sure how to pronounce that. I apologize. I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not up on all these folks. Uh, we're also working with uh, Savage Regime, a highly renowned chiptune artist, so that explains why the music is really good. He's highly renowned, and it sounds like it. Uh, the game is currently on the prototype stage, so this is so important. Thank you so much for saying this. I would have even had a heading for this uh, as, as, as a whole separate area because it's important to let people know where you are. All this stuff is, is really good, and I'm glad that it's here. I would have probably got rid of this and just stuck with the logo, just this big here. And then uh, saying it's a new game, physical cartridge. I'm so glad you bolded that and a downloadable ROM that jumps right out. It's so easy to read. But really telling us that this is at the prototype stage. and will be releasing the finished product and uh, product in October 2018 to coincide with the 30th anniversary of Mega Drive. That's awesome. It sounds like you're really aiming for a date. I want to believe it. It's uh, it's cool, man. That's very cool that you're that you're lining that up. So let's continue on. So it talks about gameplay. Uh, we saw a ton of that. The intense combat, thousands of alien enemies, male or female marine. That's great. Capable of moving eight directions, several weapons. That's great. Very few enemies killed to result in a set of dog tags being dropped. These can be collected in exchange for upgrades between areas. So that's cool. Uh, should the player run out of health, they'll take into the continue screen where they continue three continues per game. Player runs out of health and two player move. That player will remain to the room in which they revived automatically. Okay, so this is basically describing the gameplay. This section is done pretty well. I, th I think that some of this stuff could have been uh, shrunk. So instead of a square like this, maybe just across here as, as a single line, just to tighten it up a little bit. And I would have liked to have seen the upgrade window. I don't think that this is crucial to talk about how upgrades worked or that, that they're part of the drop. So I'd probably just get rid of it altogether. Same with the continue section. We see it in action in your pitch video. I don't think we need to see it anymore. Yeah, see how you have this here? That's what you could have done with uh, this directional walking here. So same with uh, the same kind of art. Features. The arena shooter is something of resurgence in recent years in the form of Geometry War, Enter the Gungeon, and et cetera, et cetera. It was defined through the early 80s. And these games, successor, were expanding upon this popular success by adding new elements, which are better suited to console titles, the ability to backtrack, uh, keycard system and equipment screen, procedural map generation, randomization of MDs. Okay, so these are things that have been mentioned a little bit. 
But instead of seeing all this stuff, we don't need to see these titles and talking about the genre. Just talk about the features. That's what you've headed. Let's just jump right here. Intense arena combat. Again, procedurally generated maps and rooms. Optional two-player cooperative. Five diverse areas to explore. I probably would have swapped the order of some of these since some of them are newer compared to others. Uh, it just makes it a bit easier. Here's some screens that they have. Stage 1, Stage 3, Stage 4. Upgrade system. So, these are more features. Put all the features together because I'm not going to be able to realize that these are together. So it's just, it just makes a stronger argument for you guys. Two levels of difficulty, two modes of play, five intimidating bosses, nine different weapons, upgrade system. Great. Keep them all together. Don't separate them by screens. You got a lot of images as it is. You can flood the bottom of the page with images if you need to. You can have a link. You can have... There's a bunch of... You, can, you could have created a GIF that was a slideshow that could have just gone through them all. Lots of different ways. Okay, so... Enemies, uh, again, this is more gameplay stuff. Great. Weapons, more gameplay stuff. Great. Upgrades, awesome. See, this is stuff that could have been included earlier. Development, this should be up way up earlier around under that section of where we are now. So this talks about the company. This talks about that they've won uh, awards for their mobile stuff. Again, this is all great, and they've worked with publishers, Namco, Adult Swim, Disney, Eidos. Over 100 successful projects completed. This is great. We've always been fans of the Genesis. So this is awesome. This is the, the human element. It tells me who you are. So you didn't appear in the pitch video. So include some of that kind of stuff up here, this first area that you've done so well. Put that up here because I want to get to know the people that I want to invest in. I'm investing in you more than I am the game. I want the game for sure, but I want to invest in you guys. So give me a reason. Okay, so here's the team. We're getting nice bios. We've already read some of it. We've already got a few of the key points out there. Production. We have many uh, commonly used generators, terror, including Mega Genesis 1 through 3, as well as Nomad Portable, Mega Drive, and the Retron 5. These will be used to test the game and so on. Okay, so that's great. We also have some of the best CRT displays you can find, including the NEC XP29 Plus. Ah, of course, the NEC XP29 Plus. That's one of the best. I don't know anything about this. I actually do know this Sony one, which is hilarious. I'm kind of making fun of myself. Anyways, they're testing Xenocrisis on that to make sure the colors and everything looks great. That's awesome. As well as the controllers. Uh, here's the breakdown of the, the Japanese cartridge. That's awesome. Then we go into the rewards here. It does look like they have... Uh, here's what the ROM looks like. Uh, here's the case. Cool Genesis-style case. Uh, T-shirt. All these other things. So we'll we'll come back to these if we need to. Stretch goal. Uh, added two-player co-op mode. So it's achieved. It would have been nice to see something here that says achieved instead of having a look down here in the super small font. Sega Dreamcast port. So they added that. Added new area boss and translation. So uh, 55,000 blast processing. Okay, let's see if we're close to that. I think we're over that now. Yeah, we're just over 55,000. So they probably haven't updated that graphic yet. Let's get to it. That That's exciting. Our fourth stretch goal is blast processing. With the stretch goal, we'll push the Mega Drive to its limit with a whole range of features in addition to the game, including bonus stage, boss rush mode, extra enemies, and speed run seeds. We'll also look to add, where possible, after technically assessing the gameplay testing, a range of other backer requested extras like gore mode and knife attack. And then it just says follow us, special thanks, and risks in challenges. Creating a Mega Drive game is no mean feat, and we're fully aware that it'll be a challenge, particularly on the technical side. However, we're extremely confident we can complete the project on time and on budget. The game is already playable state on the Mega Drive hardware, and, and most uh, with most of the more complex tasks, such as collision detection, procedural map generation, memory map management, 
already taken care of. That's really nice to hear. We also have an excellent track record in completing game development projects across multiple platforms dating over 15 years. The biggest risk we see is manufacturing scheduling for the cartridges, but we will be ensuring development is complete with enough buffer for any last-minute technical challenges and or manufacturing delays. Okay, so they're basically like most Kickstarter projects, and I have been a victim of this and still am on one project where it you are relying on a third-party uh, vendor to complete your campaign, and there's nothing you can do. So that's their biggest fear. Let's jump right over to the rewards. Here we are. One dollar. Look at that. Anybody can back for a buck. You'll get an original soundtrack download just for a dollar. Awesome. Love it. Uh, $15, you get the downloadable ROM file. You can uh, get it for Genesis, uh, and you get the soundtrack as well. So that's pretty cool. They have 80 backers for that. 15 bucks, you can get the Dreamcast one as well. So I would have probably right away combined these two. Here we go. 25 bucks, digital download pack. Oh, so they're combining it all right here. So they're basically separating them here and then putting one here. Uh, I think that's a misstep, guys. I think for 15 bucks, you should just give people the choice of, of what they want to pick from. Uh, they're getting the download anyway, so why give them both? Uh, most people probably won't play them on both. They're going to be dedicated to one system or another, so just make that easy. 30 bucks. Xeno Crisis on Dreamcast. Good deal. Shipping anywhere in the world. You get the soundtrack as well. Get it in the jewel case, multi-regional. Awesome. 40 bucks. Xeno Crisis. Cartridge only. Uh, it'll play anywhere in the world. You can make a drive cartridge. 45 dollars. Kickstarter edition. So you receive Kickstarter version of Xeno Crisis on Dreamcast. High quality press case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get stickers, postcards, enamel pin, digital download, hostage named after you in the game. Pretty cool. 55 bucks. This is where most of their backers seem to be at 349 here. Receive a multi-regioned cartridge of Xenocrisis, uh, plus complete with instruction manuals, versions one, two, or three. So you get boxed with manual and the, and the soundtrack. 75 bucks US. A lot of people have backed it. Good for them. Uh, Xeno Crisis Kickstarter Edition. So this is basically the Genesis box version, hostage named after you, stickers, pins, postcards, all that good stuff. 70, 700, so we go from $75 to $750. Design a Xeno Crisis boss. This is over $1,000. Nobody has backed this. Uh, you get the Kickstarter edition of of the game, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're a thousand bucks in the hole for doing it. Uh, become a part of 16-bit history uh, by working with our team to design your very own boss. No artistic skills are needed, uh, but you will need a huge passion for gaming. Some good ideas. Our team of programmers, artists, and sounders will work with you to plan out your boss. If you want to add that extra wow factor, look at some of the more advanced, clever uh, Genesis programming tricks and techniques. Uh, that's that's cool. And then for a thousand bucks, which is about 1,300 US, uh, you get a custom Xenocrisis Sega Mega Drive. Receive a customized Xenocrisis themed Mega Drive complete with all cables and accessories. So you get the actual console plus the box edition and the soundtrack. And somebody actually has taken this, so cool for them. And then it seems we're out of one reward here that was limited to 100. Exclusive to Kickstarter, receive a collector's edition box set of Xenocrisis, including custom box cartridge manual artwork with unique transparent green cartridge case. Your name in the credits plus a limited Xeno Crisis t-shirt. So, collector set, t-shirt, dog tags, original download for 100, 109 bucks, 80 pounds. So, very cool stuff there indeed. Let's look at the updates to see what we can find. So, this was launched on December 11th. 
there's frequent updates. So then the very next day we talk about two-player co-op and Dreamcast port. After one day, they're 92% funded. You can see that. And then two days later, they're funded. They're at 141%. So it probably happened not long after they, they posted this. They were funded just in 40 hours, so that confirms that. And they've added a first stretch goals achieved and a new stretch goals announced. That's nice. And then almost a little under a week later, that 183% funded, which is great. And then to over 200% funded four days later. Merry Christmas, third stretch goal achieved, new stretch goal add-ons. Again, about a week later, five days to go, two-player footage sneak peek. So that's cool. Let's take a look at the, uh, while well, the comments are going to be ding, 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 stretch goal. That was three hours ago. As we mentioned, they probably just haven't upgraded that just yet. Lots of uh, lots of back and forth here. Wow, look at this. They're, they're talking to everyone, which is fantastic. A lot of super backers are part of this. Let's look at the community. They're from the UK, so they have top cities. London, the UK, 24. That's great. Of their... Uh, looks like 879 backers, 323 are from the U.S. So this is a, just slightly a little bit more international than domestic from where we are. Kickstarter is based in the U.S. and for the longest time, most projects uh, that were successful were funded there. So it's always nice to see the split between the two. Returning backers, 747. And yet there's still 132 new backers, people that have never backed a Kickstarter project before. They saw this project. They went through the hassle of setting up an account, the trust of putting their credit card online to, uh, to be a part of it. And I'm just going to jump over to KickTrack for a minute. So here we are here. So let's just take a look at the funding curve. First, they're turning towards 63,000 pounds. They're currently at 55. They have a couple days to go. Uh, this looks like pretty natural. It doesn't look like there's anything suspicious here. This is this is a good deal. Here's that 40-hour mark where they crossed their goal. Good for them. Let's look at the daily data. Uh, this is the average money per day. So they had a good chunk here and a good spike here and another one here. But of course, on the first day, they got over 11,000 and then 8,000, 6,000. So that's that's a great first three days. Good for them. And let's look at the backer. So the first three days were so strong in terms of number of backers. I mean, pledge dollars, of course, too, but the number of backers was really good. It wasn't really until maybe here, about a week into their, their progress, that they really started getting cut in half. I mean, this is a, a steep drop as well, but this is this is normal, right? You're going to get your kind of valley shape here, as always, as you get through the middle of your campaign and get towards the end. But this is actually pretty strong, so kudos to them. Even on their weakest day, they only had uh, five backers, which represent almost 300 bucks. That's, that's a good deal. That's a good sign for sure. And comments, of course, are reflective of engagement, but not necessarily that much more. Here's the projection. Projecting anywhere between 65 and 58. Again, they're projecting 63, which lands right in the middle. Here's the trend, nice stable curve, and the mini chart if you want to see how that's looking in the gold and over days. Really nice to share. So we'll go back. Has there been a lot of press? Nope, no press at all. So that surprises me, but I don't know that they need it. They have tags here, which is really nice. And let's see if they have, this takes us to their Kickstarter profile. You can see that who's involved here. So we'll go back over to the campaign. Here we are here, guys. So again, let's go over what works and what doesn't work as a bit of a summation. There's a few rewards that, especially early on for people that don't have a ton of money, I would completely rework. Uh, these downloadable ROMs, just uh, the separating the Dreamcast and, and Genesis ones for the 25 bucks. I don't think that's a solid idea. I think Look, I mean, look at this alone. The Genesis one over here has 80 backers at 15. So, I mean, even if you were just to put them, put them all together here or make it 20 if you think that's 
if 15 is not enough i think that's that's an easy one to do not much else that i can really say so there is a lot of uh rewards let's just double check how many they have they got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve so 12 rewards definitely on the high end really like to see seven to ten max uh, I think one of the reasons that it got complicated is because they added a Dreamcast port, which wasn't uh, planned. They don't mention Dreamcast stuff up here at all. It's mentioned later on down here, so they probably, it was an add-on, I think. I think that's what we read down here on their stretch goals. If I can find it, it would be really nice if there was actually uh, chapter links that could be put in here. So you can just jump to each section. Yeah, it's not technically a stretch goal. Oh yeah, so added Sega Dreamcast port. So it was it was added after the fact. So I think that complicated this project unnecessarily. I think you could have either run a separate campaign for that, and instead of looking for, um, you know, the twenty thousand that you're looking for, you could have just you know asked for five thousand to to create that and just kept it at a separate from the Genesis thing because I think it inflated this unnecessarily. I get why they're related with you know Genesis and Dreamcast both being Sega consoles. That's a that's the only really knock I have on the uh, the support side over here on the rewards, the campaign again just lots and lots and lots of stuff here. Some of it's unnecessary. I would probably say a lot of people are are missing it. Some of it I would reorganize and rework the order of it. I'd compress some of the imagery together. Uh, mentioned the walk cycle stuff being more uh, organized like this. But overall, all the right ingredients. Just about the execution. So that leaves us with the big question, you know, is this something that we uh, are considered to back? Are we going to be a backer on this or or is it considered busted? And officially, I've got to say that I will become a backer on this. So let's consider it backed. All right, there we have it. I am a backer of Xenocrisis. I'm glad I discovered this project on Kickstarter in that we had a chance to break it down. Hopefully you guys will get a chance to check it out as well and become a backer and support these guys. Uh, big fan of it. Again, well done with the campaign, guys. Hopefully the few tricks that I pointed out there can help you kind of curb some of that in, in the pending uh, hours that will be left by the time this goes live. But either way, wish you guys success on this campaign and in other ones. And if you need help with your crowdfunding project, reach out to us at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com. Happy to help you or happy to highlight your project on this program if you feel it's truly amazing. Until next time, guys, I'm Rob McZob, a.k.a. Rob McCallum. We'll see you later. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. I want to give a shout out to the guys at The Voice from the Underground. I got a chance to sit in on one of their shows as we talked for almost two hours of great podcasting as we shared our thoughts on 
underrated comedy movies, politics, sports, and a lot more. So if you get a chance, that is the Voice from the Underground podcast. You can get it today on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and a whole lot more. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanican Media. So pray tell, what is going on in the coming days with your awesome channel known as Humanican Media? Brian from Super BS actually just posted a review of Wolfenstein, so you can check that out. Yeah, new uh, What About This just went up on Monday. Uh, we'll have a new Topicocalypse tomorrow night and uh, new Inside Sports also tomorrow night. So stay tuned for those things. And then next week begins the cycle of news. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, you'll be able to keep up with all the things that we've got coming out. That's awesome indeed. Once again, check that out on the Humanic Media channels on Podbean. YouTube, and also Apple Podcasts, among others as well. Josh, the Overwatch League, something that has been given a fair amount of hype on a lot of different internet outlets that really cater to the video game scene. It's been really hyped up as something that is going to be the quote-unquote next great thing in esports kind of think it's cool what they're doing with a little different scenario in regards to having different cities and different team names and and people actually buying uniforms i was actually at ces this week and i saw people actually wearing overwatch league uniforms for the various cities that they really enjoyed and really wanted to get behind play started this week with a with a lot of great games that are already taking place i know our our good friend Jay Bartlett from Nintendo Quest, he and his wife are, are big London supporters. So I ask you, Josh, with all this going on with the Overwatch League and Blizzard saying they are going to take esports to the next level with this, as someone who has really never embraced esports, which is okay, because there's a lot of people out there who haven't yet, what are your thoughts on possibly getting into an Overwatch League? It's one of those things where I would have to see it in person. Like, I'd have to see it myself. Like, you saw the people in the jerseys. Like, I would have to see people legitimately getting excited over stuff like this. You know, we've talked about this before. I'm not into Blizzard games. I just, I've never, like, it's never been appealing to me. I've never had a desire to play them. Even when the guys on the Super BS talk about it, I don't, like, I just get quiet. And they're like, well, you got to try at least one you got to try league of legends or something i just don't have any desire to play which it, is so. which is weird because they're they're different formats i mean they have a now a first person shooter they have the moba they have the you know they have obviously world of warcraft they, they they're not, it's not like they're strictly fixed on one set of genre right and you know good for them i'm glad that they are expanding their their genres i i I just like it. Maybe to me, it's because it's never like fit into my gaming schedule. I've always been playing something when one of their things come out. And I just never took the time to check out what they have to offer. But back to esports, like if this is if this is a thing and if it's something that's like accessible and something that I can I can watch and see for myself, like what it is and how people are getting excited over it. Yeah, maybe it's something I could get. I could get into in the future. But I, I know they're talking something about maybe having esports in the Olympics. You know, I just I want to know more information, but I don't I want to know information that I don't have to dig around the internet for. Like if it's going to become mainstream, I want to be able to like hear other people talk about it and like have it become a thing and then that way I can uh you know, devote some time into 
seeing what this big what this big thing is all about. I'll say this that it is trying very hard esports is and I know I've talked about it with Christian Zamudio our esports expert when you've talked about how TBS, TNT, ESPN, Twitch have all tried to embrace esports in some form or fashion and they are getting a concentrated number of viewers and obviously, they're still very much into it because even in NBA games and other outlets, they're still advertising these esports events and still showing them on screen. I know the Overwatch League that is, I just think it, it, this will be a great way for people to identify because there's now teams with cities similar to what you would see in an NBA and an NFL and an NHL that you could actually maybe attach yourself to with more for instance i'm a huge lakers fan uh, i know people be laughing at me as i say that because they're really on a uh, not been doing very well up until recently so being that i'm a fan i i came from southern california it was just something uh, that i endeared to me uh, same thing could be with somebody else that's just really getting into esports and video games they may be from in and around London, and they meant to just get really into the London Spitfire or the Los Angeles Valiant or any one of the other number of different locations that have a Overwatch team. It's really kind of cool to see what they're doing with it. And it's this is kind of a different kind of thing as opposed to what we've seen is with uh, League of Legends and whatnot, where the teams you support are based off of whoever is sponsoring, like Samsung or what have you. So this is definitely a, a cool way to, and a novel way to get into esports for people if they want to be able to associate with that. And Overwatch has been an increasingly popular game. It is now one of Blizzard's strongest entries that is out there. Obviously, it's sold very well, and the casual audience has definitely supported it and made itself a large community within its player base. So I see this as a great chance, if not the best chance, for esports to really break out beyond the concentrated but really hardcore and devoted niche that does follow esports at this point in time. What are your thoughts on the new Overwatch League are you interested in it? Do you already have a team that you're already rooting for? Or maybe you've already bought a jersey like our good friend Jay. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back once again with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Want to thank everyone for listening. And if you were a devoted listener to us during our time on the podcast radio network, I'm hearing still good things about being back on the network real soon. 
hearing it's going back on the air in the not too distant future. So we're very hopeful for that. Plus also as well, you can continue to catch us on Apple Podcasts, ESO Network, the Gunna Geek Network. And in fact, with the Gunna Geek Network, I got to tell you, on one of their latest shows, the guys from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast are talking the latest on the Logan Paul controversy, Donnie Yen, and so much more. So catch the Good and Nerdy podcast today on the Gunna Geek Network. You won't be disappointed. Check it out. You'll love it indeed. Plus, also, we are always on the Tangibound Network, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Player.fm. And also check us out on Podchaser. And want to give Podchaser a big thank you for giving us so much help. Out of the thousands of society and culture podcasts that are out there, we're in the top 100 in both society and culture. And also pop culture podcast categories, we're in the top 100 in fact, we are in the top 50 in culture podcasts, top 60 in society podcasts, and I believe in the top 10 still in pop culture. So definitely thank you to Podchaser and everybody who listens to us there for checking us out there. And we truly appreciate you letting Pop Culture Cosmos into your homes every week indeed. So Josh... You wanted us to break down all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we roll into the two big films this year from Marvel in Black Panther and also as well Infinity War. This week, we're going to be talking Iron Man, the original movie from 2008. Josh, you saw it again. Share me your thoughts on why Iron Man, well, I know in my opinion, but in your opinion, why is Iron Man so important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It was the beginning of a movement. It was, you know, before we'd gotten, you know, some cheesy Batman movies, we had Spider-Man, which was okay, you know, up until Spider-Man uh, 3, and then it just kind of wasn't okay. But this was the first time that we could see, because, you know, you, you sit there and you think about a character like Iron Man. How are they going to do that? Are the effects going to be practical? Are they going to be, is it going to be all CG? How is this going to happen? And then lo and behold, John Favreau brings this picture out and it, it just looks spectacular. The CG is well done. The acting is well done. And it, it makes you want to be a part of this connected universe that they're, they're creating. It's the first time that like, comic book fans had walked into a movie theater and then been walked out like being like okay yeah i'm 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 on board with this and it, it was really like without iron man you know it's if i look at it this way like if they would have put thor captain america or any of those movies first i don't think that the marvel universe or cinematic universe would be where it is today do you is that you think that's a a I'm wrong on this, or is it? Where, no, where I think you you're right. As much as, uh, no, I think you're right. I think you definitely hit it on the head right there. I love Captain America: First Avenger. I think it's a very easy watch, but we'll go into that when that movie comes up. I'm not a big fan of the first two Thor films, but either which way, if those films were the lead dog and were the original films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm not sure there would be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. People seem to really come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in an easy way 
because of the performance of Robert Downey Jr. He took this by storm. He was someone that I know was not the first choice for the role. I know they had other individuals in mind. I know he had had problems with drug and, and other entities throughout his career. He needed Iron Man just as much as Iron Man and Marvel needed him. It was a perfect, perfect time for each. And I'll tell you what, he definitely showed it and he definitely killed it in that performance in Iron Man. And if it wasn't for for the Iron Man, there would be no Marvel Cinematic Universe. If it, let's say, well, we saw this last year with The Mummy. I mean, The Mummy was supposed to be the Iron Man for the monster movie universe for Universal. And it did not perform anywhere near expectations and quite literally could have killed off that entire universe with just that one movie. Well, it kind of did. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't hear any plans for any other thing, but they haven't totally scratched it off. A universe has not been official in that statement. So I don't want to say for a hundred percent for sure, but you see what happened because of the success of Iron Man, that led to more movies down the road, obviously all tying into each other. And that was the best thing about it too, is we didn't even know at that time that Iron Man was going to be the kickoff for this universe and that these films were going to tie into each other in some form or fashion. Uh, that's what makes it even better. It's, it's just like a great story that John Favreau really just was able to craft uh, and it just really brings out the best in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, you're right though. I mean, the, it it feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe was written for Tony Stark, is written for Robert Downey Jr. He is the common thread that flows throughout most of them. And even like his performance in, in Spider-Man's or Iron Man's presence in Spider-Man just goes to show you how much like this whole, uh, you know, first four phases of this universe hinges on his character. Like he is the, he's the thread that keeps all these heroes revolving around each other. Exactly. And he is still the only one that's had a Marvel movie based off of him. That's gone over a billion dollars, which proved people love that character. And it all started with this. And like I said, when Iron Man was released, Marvel movies were considered a joke for the most part. I mean, when Blade was considered your best Marvel movie, when that's thought of as, as your best movie at that point in time, utilizing a Marvel character outside of the Spider-Man movies from Sony, that, that was pretty much all at that point in time. But those were more of the vehicles of the actual movie companies than from Marvel. They were just saying, hey, can we use this character? We'll go ahead and take care of everything else. That wasn't really Marvel putting its firm grip on the actual character structure, the story and actual movie itself. Iron Man was really their first really good attempt at doing stuff on their own. I know they worked previously with that first Hulk movie, which didn't pan out. Obviously the daredevil thing and Electra thing didn't go the way they wanted to. So basically this was the first time Marvel really killed it on both a critical and also popularity basis i mean the movie made almost 600 million dollars it showed the potential to everyone out there what the marvel cinematic universe could do if it was done correctly and and gave a lot of people hope for the future for superhero films so 
and I know people like to say, well, Batman movies were already out and were coming out or whatnot, but I think when they tie in the superhero movie craze, I think that when it really starts with Iron Man, because I don't think they always associate those Batman films with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, the Batman films, like Chris Nolan's especially, they weren't very like comic-y. They weren't very comic book-y. Like exactly, Iron that's, Man, that's what I'm trying to say, yeah, because it really doesn't yeah. seem like they're part of that that whole genre in a way. Right, right. So Iron Man is very comic book-y. Batman was more uh, surreal and visceral. You know, and that's my one of my big complaints about the Justice League is that it just it feels way too comic booky. I, I remember going to see Iron Man on opening night and I wasn't so much ex- the movie was really cool, but I wasn't so much like during the movie I wasn't so much excited about what I was seeing on the screen, but more as like I was excited about how it was relating to the comic books that I've read. So like cuz that was also the first time that they had taken a property like that and made it actually associated it with its source material. So I was excited to see like, you know, they're talking about shield, you know, they had the part where you saw strategic homeland intervention, whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's shield. And then they had the, uh, the Nick Fury show up after the credits. And like, that was like, that was the moment when I knew that this was going to be something really cool. And it's going to be something that we had never seen before. And it was going to define a whole genre of movies. Definitely. I could have said it better myself. And I think that's why Iron Man definitely is the crown jewel in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, because without it succeeding, there wouldn't be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it basically, even in the Infinity War and all that, it ties into what Iron Man did and what Iron Man was about. And if some things certainly go wrong with Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Iron Man in either this film, The Infinity War coming up in May, or in 2019 in the succeeding movie, then definitely, uh, you know, his work is to be appreciated and lauded because he definitely has been a premier reason why the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been so strong and so powerful in the movie industry and why it has become a very very popular franchise in fact one of the most popular franchises ever in the movie industry what are your thoughts on iron man do you really see it as a prized possession in the marvel cinematic universe or do you see it as just another movie leading up to infinity war or do you even care about it at all as a movie in the franchise share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Kosher Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. 
So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Happy New Year! Right, that's what we wanted to say for the holidays? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year, everybody. We are ready to kick this New Year's off, and uh, we've been having a lot of fun just um, prepping and planning for exciting New Year Super BS. And, um, Heck yeah! We hope you enjoyed our holiday special. We had uh, the great Donna, Dr. Donna, leading us through that new Monera super fun had a great time like so if you haven't checked that out uh did I we live do we survive that everyone but you okay it's too bad sorry it's my shoes my shoes <laughs> still have the jingles <laughs> those jingles gave me away yeah uh yeah so if you haven't listened to that i would i would highly recommend it super fun super festive uh super bs there you go the triumvirate um so real quick want to want to start off with a couple housekeeping matters please uh rate and review our show um, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, we, we read your comments and uh, feedback on the show when we can, when we get the chance. So please go ahead and do that. Also contact us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, we have an email, super BS. There's a silent the team. Best. <laughs> super BScast at gmail.com. So um, definitely hit us up, ask us questions. We'll uh, read them aloud uh, if we're allowed. And um, it's more of an invisible T if we spell it super BS, but oh, it's pronounced best. Right. Best. Yeah. It's like a pterodactyl. Yes. Super best cats. Super best cats. Oh. Best cast. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. T so it's not silent because <laughs> it's a soft T. It's, it's a soft, hard T. Yeah. What, what would Mary Shelley say about this? Ooh. It's uh, actually pass. pronounced Mary Shelty. Mary Shelty. <laughs> 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 uh, so. Guys, it's been a long time since we've chatted. We don't talk offline. We only talk to each other on the podcast, so we have a lot of catching up to Very do. Very true. That makes planning hard. <laughs> yeah. We do all of our planning live. We try to show up <laughs> at the same place at the same time. We never talk to each other, though, so we're just hoping we're all there at the same time. So, guys, since I've not talked to you in months, I want to know what y'all been playing, what games you've been playing, and um, yeah, so just so just tell us. Tell us all. So, Brank, you want to you wanna maybe kick it off? Ooh boy. Uh I definitely can kick it off. I have played a lot of stuff. Um but yeah, I could go through some of that stuff. I this has been like a really really killer uh last month, I'd say. He's played a lot of catch with his dad finally. A lot of catch. <laughs> I he's been standing there busy, and Brian. I've been throwing him the ball. He didn't want to do it all no, year. Brian? Um But no, after our game of the year podcast, we did the special, but beyond that, I was like, "Hi, ah, there are so many good games I need to play him." So, I Played a little bit in Nier Automata. Still only a few hours in. With his dad. Yeah, with, with my dad. Um, he loves <laughs> video games. Um, he's 74 years old and loves video games. Yeah, he loves video games and a good catch. A good, <laughs> a good catch. Um, so you're a few hours into it. Uh, what yeah, do you think it's, so far? It's, it's just catch, really, right? It is. It's just catch. It's just uh, it's, you know, something that you play with everyone. Um, Got to oil your glove. You, know. you could tell it had a very low production budget. 
So it's a little bit hard to get into right now. I've heard that the story gets good, but I've heard it's also like a, Oh, you need to play like 18 hours. That's like your favorite thing, right? My favorite thing. It is a lot more fun than games I've complained about recently, like Xenoblade Chronicles two or any of the other ones. Any game you've ever played. Um, but no, I, I played that. I played a little bit of call of duty world war two. With his dad. <laughs> you and um, your dad have gotten real close. We have been playing games nonstop. Um, I played some of Call of Duty World War II. It's, Bring it's him good. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. My dad was yeah, here with you me. You mentioned it's kind of like a game of catch. <laughs> it's kind of like a game of catch. Um, it is very similar to catch. Call of Duty's Modern Warfare's two and previous it's not like running in the you know running on walls or double jumping stand um, still just ball. stand still <laughs> um, All right, we get one more catch joke so make that last one good and then uh i have finished assassin's creed origins which was stupid awesome that How game is ending. amazing tell me the end what did you like did you like the ending I, I thought it was great, man. I think you're a complainer. Like, I really did. <laughs> right? like, no, 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 no. The way the, dad think? <laughs> the way the story wrapped up, did you feel like it was a good ending? It's a prequel game. It was no, a great ending. No, 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 that ending. wasn't the question. It was a good ending. It, okay, let's now, before the, I spend a year The father's on, son is murdered in that game, right? Was they, that hard for you and your dad? That was <laughs> very hard for me when we were playing ball. I just couldn't... <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it. Um, Wait, so how much was it like Elder Scrolls? Like it is exactly the... <laughs> like Elder Scrolls. It's like Elder Scrolls mixed with a good old game of catch. Percent. Uh, <laughs> you're over here. This court. is never gonna end. Um, no, it was it was great. I played it for about 45 hours. I played a little bit after I finished because there's like these super hard elite bosses in the world, and you have to go like kind of hunt them down, kind of like the dragons in Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, I just want to, there's a few more that I played. <laughs> I will try to be quick. I played ukulele on switch a lot. What I'm actually almost How done you, with it. Um, I like that compared to Mario. I, we can, is, go to, it, we can go to detail later, but real yeah, quick, real quick. It's, you can't play it after Mario. It's a really hard game to play after that. They have an, a, they only have five worlds in the game and one of the worlds is complete garbage. Um, like you're playing an underhand a, catch. It's like a like trash a, world. Like you're in a casino. I'm, I'm okay with the garbage land. Yeah, and you're in a casino and you have to like line up roulette machines. It's awful. So it encourages awful. gambling, aka Are you talking about you're talking about Last Jedi gambling. Yeah, <laughs> Monte Carlo, <laughs> Last Jedi. Um, real quick ones I won't really say much about. I also you don't have place... to, you don't have to rush. By the way, like this is a big part of the cast. I, I, I specifically <laughs> remember you saying this was going to take a lot. Of but time. You're, you're I've on. got two that I I want to talk a lot you're about, and I've here. got. Yes. We already I, talked about cats, so there's only one left. There is. Well, tic-tac-toe. Um, talk about played, that sweet, uh, sweet casino level. You, you said oh. it was kind of like gambling, little like loot boxes, little... It's none of that stuff. They were all joking. <laughs> it is just like you use your tongue to pull the roulette like trigger, and you have to line up. Okay, did you guys all wow. play the Super hey, Mario Odyssey I roulette? The have you guys ever licked podcast. a gambling machine before? <laughs> They're kind yeah. of the Is that how you play? Wait, did you guys all play the Super Mario Odyssey roulette moons? The one where you line up all five moons. Oh, or three yeah. Moons yeah. Yeah. Okay, so imagine that, but you can't use your hat. You have to hit a button that also doesn't stop it at the exact same time that you hit the button. And then imagine doing that like 10 times because that are those are 10 of the pages in the level. Um, Ooh, pages is the thing you collect? Yeah, you collect pages for a book. It's, it's a pretty charming game, but it came out after Odyssey, which is like a bummer for it. 
Um, it came out well, before. It, it came out way before. Yeah, yeah, but on Switch. Like, I have it yeah. on Xbox, and I played it for a little bit, and it was okay. But Switch is, you know, what I've been playing on the most. The only release that matters um, now. Yeah. Switch, switch, switch. Switch, Um, I played a little bit of Skyrim on Switch. It's With great. his dad. I've been uh, I've I haven't got to the DLC or anything yet, but I've I've gotten to the part where you kill the first dragon and get the first dad dragon level shot. content. Um, all the dad level content. I can't wait for uh, Donna's because we're gonna do dad questions. Oh as my well. god, it's gonna be non. I am literally not gonna let you get through one flipping game. Okay, all right, uh, Brian, so, Brank, you have immunity for a minute, so okay. just talk. So no okay. interrupts for a minute. Dad diplomatic immunity. <laughs> okay, starting now. So I've been playing Breath of the Wild. I finished the DLC Champion Ballad, which is, oh, it's great. It is really, really, really cool. They add, I want to say, 16 shrines to the world. How um, many dads? <laughs> All right, I am going to start am, penalizing for dads. I am, uh, <laughs> we will take away one minute of Donna being able to speak for every joke added there. Um, no, it, it's great. They add a bunch of stuff. I don't think that... This isn't really a spoiler because it's in the trailer. I don't think the motorcycle adds as much as people think it should. It is the... What are those called? The Magnesis and the Freeze Time. What are, what are those? Do you guys remember what those are called in the game? Are those uh, runes? The Sheikah? Runes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Runes. Yeah. So it adds... That's a new rune. And then you fill it up by just putting anything in the motorcycle. Like fuel? Yeah, fuel. Like anything adds as fuel, though. And... uh do jumps off it it's it's really cool uh the main thing that's really awesome though is every shrine they added none of them were guardian battle shrines they have one that plays on that but it's way better so how does it tie into the story uh oh so it's it's it kind of tells a prequel i don't want to reveal too much because i know a couple people haven't got to beat breath of the wild yet but it tells a prequel for each of the champions okay and do you have to have the guardians already taken care of before you play yes. it yeah. okay so it's pretty much it's weird because it's supposed to be after you finish all the main content, but before you finish the game. Because at the end, they're like, you need to go res rescue Zelda. Well, like, well you can't because you did that. So when you go back and replay it after you finish it, like it, Ganon's not killed. Like they don't let yeah. you go. There's back no new game. After plus. That. Yeah, it's like uh, that's like an Obsidian game. They usually mm -hmm. like like when those games come out, I usually hold off finishing the game proper until they release all their DLC. And they go hmm. back. Oh, well, that, that's smart, actually. Yeah. Play it as a whole. I Real didn't quick. Yeah. Sorry, on Breath of the Wild. You said it's a motorcycle. Yeah. And so I haven't played much of Breath of the Wild. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. But okay. I was a little bit, not irked, but kind of put off about the technology aspect of the Zelda thing. Okay. Uh, like with the like the Matrix style. like Oh, how you can kind of transport oh, anywhere? that's some of the coolest parts. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not super like opposed to it, but I was just a little bit adverse to it because it seemed a little non-Zelda-y. So like oh, that with, with the motorcycle, and maybe I just don't know enough about the game yet. But I was a little like, what is going on? The motorcycle is DLC content. Like, mm. I would kind of feel similarly if it was, like, main... I mean, because they have horses. Yeah. But it's like Breath of the Wild proper is, like, a full game of baseball, but the DLC is just, like, a good old game of catch, you know? Okay. <laughs> I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, Should we start advertising as a baseball cast? Yeah, we are actually a, a professional... An MLB Super, minor super baseball games cast. That's what BS stands Don for. Don just never got to play with one because he always had to use a wall. Yeah. So he's, uh, just, he's, he's just trying to like, learn all that. It's getting really dark and really bad really quick. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next things I've been playing. Um, Dave's uh, baseball stats corner. <laughs> there you go. I want to actually, on a serious note, Yeah. Um, I think I think the futuristic part of uh, Breath of the Wild is actually really cool because it, it fits into the high Hyrule scheme where... Hyrule is basically like an eternal backdrop, and they're always doing kind of like very similar similar eras, with the exception of Wind Waker, which takes place like 
Is it before or after the world ended? After. Okay. I think I don't know where Breath of the Wild fits in it's the in timeline. A, it's an apocalypse one too. But also, there's three timelines, so I don't know <laughs> if it's the same one with Wind Waker or not. Because um, there's the there's the whole like ocarina paradox, which they made official. Um, so Nintendo did. I mean. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I think the technology part is kind of interesting because you kind of it's you know you kind of get to explore that. The main I think I wrote in my game of the year review. The main thing I hate about Breath of the Wild is the the rain is the NPC. <laughs> so oh yeah, the, the NPCs are the rain is gonna get ignore, annoying to you guys, okay. but we'll. But anyways, one thing I want to say about I'm Breath gonna of the Wild. Just gonna set fire to it. Like Adele would. <laughs> set fire to it. You um, like Adele, don't you, Donna? She's my favorite. A lot of my family members know that you love. Uh, yeah. Donna is known as our number one Adele I'm fan. Defending Adele. To He's singing dance. Adele, but we have to edit it out of every podcast yeah. because that was actually our, our original theme song was him singing Adele. We, yeah. we originally called the podcast just Thirty Two because Adele had all the yeah. other numbers taken. So, Brian, can we, yeah. can we Adele, end this uh, episode with an Adele song? Yeah, Adele is to Donna as catch is to bring. So. That really our resonated with thing. me. Um, what, one thing I want to add, though, is Breath of the Wild is the only game I've played DLC for this year. So it was like, I thought it was really cool. I just started, just so you know. I'm sorry, 2017. It was the only game in 2017, because we haven't podcasted for three or so weeks, that I played DLC for. And there are a lot of games that had great DLC. Um, I then went on to play What Remains of Edith Finch. I actually finished it last night. Do you guys... Turns out all that's left is a penis. So. That's, that is it. <laughs> is that the punchline? Edith line? Finch is... Uh, <laughs> it's a joke game. Boy, You're, uh, it's comedic. Is there a catch and balls joke in here somewhere? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you guys know anything about the game though? Or? Just the dick part. <laughs> okay, which isn't there at all. Um, so... <laughs> It's, I love how we're joking about an extremely tragic and sad game. Um, well, tell us about it. I don't know anything okay. about it. So we've all played Gone Home here, right? Mm-hmm. Did you play it, Vite? Did you play Gone Home? I did not. Okay. Gone Home, you go through a house and you find problem? out. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> go play it. You it's should. It's super fun. It's fun. It's I'll like two it hours. Um, anyways, you go through a house and you find out like story really. Is it stuff. on the Vita? Can I play it, it on the Vita? It is not on the Vita, and no. you need to let that die. Um, is, it, is it on the Switch? It's on not, Steam. Not yet. Yeah, it's on Steam and Xbox and all the other and stuff. And Sega Genesis. Super cheap. Sega you can get it for like five Genesis. bucks. Genesis. Um, but what remains of the Finch is kind of another home exploring game. You go back to your old childhood home that you haven't seen for a long time to find out if your family curse is real. And this is sounds a lot this, like Dear Esther. I, I didn't play Dear Esther, but maybe yeah. it's similar. It's from the guys who did uh, Unforgotten Swan or, or um, Unfinished Swan. Unfinished Swan, and like so, you go through the house and the you go into different people's rooms, and everybody who lived in the house they keep the room the same and just lock the door after they died, and you go and read their journals, and then each journal acts as like a different gameplay segment. So. One journal, you are playing as a owl that needs to eat rabbits, and then you evolve and become a octopus that needs to eat humans. And then you, and this is the first one, so it's not really spoiling too much. Then you go into the room where the girl is, and she disappears. And so, like, there's about six or seven of these, and it, it is a really cool game. Parts of the gameplay are really, really fun, but it didn't strike me in the same way that gone home and others have done just because well, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That's baseball. Of the old ball game. At least. It, yeah. it, the game sounds unsettling. Is it? 
there was one. Um, there's like one of the girls is a movie star, and there's like reports on the TV. It's that one's handled by plain as a comic book. So you're in comic book pages, hmm. and it's really interesting. And um, but yeah, there's a cannibal on the loose, and then the girl. How much of the game did you play? I beat the whole thing. Oh, okay. It was an hour and forty minutes. Oh, okay, um, it's gotcha. really cool. I would say if you can get it for ten dollars or less, it would be great. It is normally twenty. I got it on sale for twelve. Um, hmm. I know that we're not a games price Dearest podcast. was the but, one that uh, we played that one day. Oh, when you're on the island? Yeah. Okay, that's what the I thought. Narrator. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it, we didn't play much of it though. No. And this probably is similar to that. This is a very whimsical <clears throat> game. The house is like a Studio Ghibli house. It's like they kept adding floors, and you keep climbing up and up and up. What oh, cool. should be like ended. Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool. I don't have a lot of like it didn't have a lot of emotional impact with me. But some of the stories about her brothers who were no longer there were really, really, really kind of like unsettling. Um, I, I did enjoy that. So I finished that last night. And then I and sorry, I've talked so long without allowing anyone to ask me a question. But this is the big one. I decided to play Wolfenstein 2 after I finished Assassin's Creed 2 or Assassin's Creed Origins. Assassin's Creed 2. And I beat Wolfenstein Wol- Origins. Wolfenstein Origins. <laughs> and I beat Wolfenstein 2 today. With his dad. <laughs> With my did, dad. Did you finish the first one? I did not. Okay. So was it was it weird? Was it hard to get into the story? They have a video sequence at the beginning that so shows you, know, okay. you every single thing oh, that happened cool. in the first one. But aren't there actions that carry over from the previous? You choose games? those in the first uh, in oh, the video sequence. Cool. It's that's really cool. cool. Nice. Oh, yeah. um, it's awesome. Do you guys want to know anything about it specifically? Uh, I, I want to know every specific. I want to know everything about it. I wanted to get that game, but it just seemed really heavy. It's not a game to play with kids or with your significant other. Yeah, I played most of it late at night. With his dad. So it's, not, it's not, not like a me and Daisy sort of game? It's definitely for your daughter. <laughs> um, she loves beheading Nazis with hatchets, right? Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, that's her favorite thing. Kids are growing up so uh, fast these days. She was born that when she was one, so she's two now. So it's twice as old. So She loves seeing scenes where your pregnant wife rips her shirt off because it's burning and then kills about 30 Nazis and is soaked in blood. Topless, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> this, I didn't even tell you where it happened, but it's just like, it is an insane scene, and there are many, many, many cool moments. Um, one thing I want to add that a lot of like game critics deride it for its gameplay, but I followed the thing where it said, like, they're like, don't play it on, um, I want to say normal. It's really, really hard normal. Mm-hmm. So I played on casual, which is one step from uh, hey. Can I Play Daddy, which is the name of the easiest <laughs> How difficulty. fitting for tonight. Yeah. And you literally, it has... Uh, the way can, you said that, yeah. instead of Can I Play Daddy, was Can I Play Daddy? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> That's the right way to say it. Um, but Commas no, are important. B, BJ's wearing like a bonnet, and he's like has a... Um, Just wanted to be a grammar Nazi for the Nazi game. Ooh, hey! <laughs> I'm not a Nazi! Um... No, it's cool. It is definitely something everyone should play. Uh, it's I played it for like 20 hours. I thought it was going to be really short. Did you like the gameplay? I heard the gameplay is not that great. I really liked it. Like, I hated the first game. And maybe because I played the first game on too hard of a difficulty. What are, what are the, I haven't read any gameplay complaints. So what are they? Because ID usually makes killer shooters. Yeah, so, so that's like their thing. There are two complaints really about the gameplay is... It's not really great with damage detection. It's really hard to tell where you're getting shot from and when you are taking damage. It pretty much doesn't show you. Uh, so, like, a lot of games, they'll, like, give you, like, a force rumble or something. So, you know, oh, I'm taking damage. your screen damage. will get bloody. Or... Yeah. So, is it, like, Morrowind when you have no idea if you're hitting somebody? Uh, no, no, no. You, the damage against others is pretty easy to tell. However, some of the enemies are bullet sponges. So, okay. 
like the gameplay played out for me. If there's a commander in the room, it shows you like, hey, he's this many feet away. If you can silent assassin him, he can't do the the bell, so people won't find you, right? As soon as I kill him, and I would normally save scum my way to him, I would then dual wield like a shotgun and like sniper rifle machine gun that I had and just <laughs> go. Because, I mean, guys would take, they all have like heavy body armor and they're like, it's a really, really cool depiction of uh, future like America. And there's like Nazis, robots, and there's no zombies or anything stupid like that. But it's, uh, you know, these guys have like giant plates of armor on them. So you got to like shoot it off or shoot the, the heat tanks on their back mm-hmm. that make explode. them explode. Um, but yeah, I've, I have talked so long. I do want to say that like Wolfenstein 2 would still probably not have been my top five games of 2017 just oh, because... Oh, really? Even for the moments? Even for the moments. It was incredible, but there were so many good games that mm-hmm. I played that I just... I still think I liked Assassin's Creed and Cuphead and... And Catch. And Catch. <laughs> and Zelda and Mario. I, I'm, like, gonna Catch lose my Dad. mind on the Catch jokes <laughs> more. Um, but, yeah, I want to let someone else talk because I have literally talked for 18 minutes. Vidi, so. Vidi, why don't you regale us with your with your games, my brah? Veet Mesquite. Um, oh boy. Uh just been playing Mario, which um geez, I, I don't wanna be negative and it's a great game, but I don't like it as much as I thought I would. And then really? Zelda uh, Zelda I ended up liking more than I thought I would. What do so, you not like yeah. about Odyssey? Sorry about interrupting. Uh, okay, so two things and um I don't know. I'm never as articulate as I'd like to be, but there, there are two things I'm not huge on. Join the club. <laughs> One of them is like uh, the coins in each level and buying the outfits. Um, that just doesn't appeal to me as much. It's as, like one of my favorite uh, parts. And mine. No, and but, Eli's. And, <laughs> um, but I remember talking with Dave about it. It would have been really cool if you had to buy costumes in order to get certain stars. They, they have that though. It's it's, it's pretty minor. That. It's it's really no, minor but though. More. I would where, like where? more of it. Where do you like, like in the in the um, like pyramid in, level? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Or like in Lake Kingdom, you need to go dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lake Kingdom, okay, the Snorkel right. yeah. Kingdom. Yeah. There's like five or six of them, I think. I would have liked more. I would have liked. I, I wish that they gave you power ups, maybe like where they you would get like a certain ability it's from that stat, outfit yeah. that would be useful in that world. That could be that could be cool, but I I thought the moon stuff was pretty. I, I thought yeah. Yeah, but also yeah. the the base mechanics are so flawless that yeah. adding to them could be dangerous. No, totally. And the game is perfect in in that way. I thought like the hat is such a cool aspect of that game. Sorry, yeah, uh, and, and this is this is more of a personal critique I think than a general one. That's just something I would have liked to have seen more. Um, yeah. No, I can so, feel you. I mean, I, mean, I said Super that... BS literally chose as our second best game of the year. Which we had to argue over because it was so good. To Zelda, and he he thinks Zelda's a better game than Mario. And our our first one was Mass Effect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect Three. <laughs> uh, so what so was the second. Yeah. Well, actually, wait. How many moons do you have, Jake or uh, Vidi? Oh boy, only like three fifty, I think. Oh, I haven't played me. it in a little bit. So. Did you beat crazy. it? Like the first time, get to credits. No, I haven't beaten the game. I, I oh, been really? grinding away at level, levels. Dude, yeah, you, so, um, man, the ending of that game was so fun. I won't spoil anything, but it, it was like I got a little uh, Lord of the Rings tears going, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, you know, maybe I should hold my reservations until I've beat it, beat it. So 
So, uh, well, what was but, your second complaint? Well, the second complaint, and again, this is kind of minor, but like, well, didn't one of the levels have like 60 stars or, or moons? Um, yeah, that sand kingdom I, is notoriously hard. I just, I don't know. It, it just felt in, in 64, and it's not quite fair to compare, but like, what, what is it? The seven stars each level. It was, there was a greater sense of accomplishment per each star. And then in this, which I get, you know, it's a lot more about just enjoying the, the world and exploring. Um, but some, I don't know. It's just like in each star in 64, and that's what I just keep comparing it to. Um, it, it was just so awesome to get each star. And this one, it almost felt like a checklist that I was trying to go off of. You know what I mean? If anyone, if you guys can even get that. I think the game is made for a different generation though too. I don't know if this is what they intended, but it's not maybe <clears throat> it's not maybe designed with uh, with the same audience in mind. Like back then, I think people were more just impressed to be playing a three dimensional game that it just went a lot further. Seven stars went a lot further. But now that we've been exposed to that world, we know what three D graphics can look like. I think it was more, you know, just. So like this game was is a more expansive experience compared to the older Mario's. I yeah, well, it's wish... also I think that's one of the best things about this game is the variety of types of moons. Some are really easy, some are really sneaky, some are really challenging, some are really, you know, kind of medium. Because the last several Mario games have been the same blueprint as Mario sixty four. You you go to a level for one specific. Star, moon, shine, whatever. Moonshine. Um, right. And then you get booted out. But this is more like the world keeps going, so it's like you're free to roam. Yeah, oh, yeah that, that was nice. That was um, one of my favorite parts about the game. It's one of my favorite parts about the game, but it doesn't mean that I would go back and change like the older games to make it that no, way. Like, I, right, yeah. No, right. Well, and plus with like such a, a well-known, beloved franchise, you have to do something to... What's it called? <laughs> Wario. Wario, yeah, Kirby. Um, you have to do something to make the game appeal to a younger generation, and that's what younger generations are used to, are these big, massive games. So I get it. I, one thing I wanted to add real quick about Mario and Breath of the Wild, for that matter, is I heard Nintendo use an approach that they use at Disneyland, which had, I can't remember the name of it, but it has to deal with line of sight, mm -hmm. where that wherever you looked, there would always be something enticing to go there. And when you get to that thing there'd be something within eyeline or eyesight up to the next thing that you'd keep going to. And I thought both Odyssey and Breath of the Wild did an amazing job of making me want to like keep going, mm -hmm. like playing for hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, I looked at my total time in Breath of the Wild, it was 80 hours, and Mario was be like past 40. And wow. it's like some of the most played games I played all last year. No, that's totally, that's really rad. But it's I, a super cool concept. I think with the checklist thing too, uh, uh, an interesting, or a, a thing that they did that I think is really brilliant is that that's why, I mean, they made the game so that it's beatable without getting every single star. Right. So if like, because I think the checklist is actually fun for me in this instance, because I've complained about checklist games all year. So to have one where it's like really entertaining the whole time for me, I thought that was great. But I could have easily ignored like the tediousness of it. I mean, it wasn't tedious to me, but I could have ignored the like, oh, I want to get every single one and then just done enough to move on. And it would have been a, a different but equally amazing experience. What I would recommend uh, v is just is just beating the game, like doing the, the main quest and then going back because you go to a you go to somewhere after the main game. That's really fun. And it just kind of like 
for me, it was a reset or it's like, now I, I really want to go back to all the worlds and do all those, do all those moons again. So it's more exploring. Yeah. And that, and that, that definitely sounds pretty cool. And like I said, I should, the challenge hold, worlds are make, fun too. Yeah. Just um, don't burn yourself out on getting all the moons of each world before you, you move on. Cause you, you may like, I don't know, something else may come out and you may, you may not want to finish the game. And that game is definitely worth finishing. Well, it's fun. It's nice too because you can go back and play it. Like that, I kept going back to Mario after while I was playing different games. So it's nice to be able to just jump back in without having to reteach yourself how to play it. Yeah, I've heard people do that um, where they'll use it as their break game. Once they've beaten the game, they're just like, oh, I'm getting like the last couple hundred moons, and they they get frustrated with some other game. They pop back the, to Mario. Yeah, there's a second like if you as as long as you get at least to 500, you can do two secret worlds. And if you beat the second one, there's like a second ending that's even more Lord of the Rings tier time. Oh, dude. Oh. It's only 500, though? 500 to get to the last world. The game okay. is 999 moons. Right. But 880 of them are authored. Like right. the others are you just buy, you buy them, them, which I wish the... they would have just made 80 instead. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you've been playing Marimar and Zelda, right? No, no, I, I beat Zelda. I've been playing Marimar and I've been playing uh, Skyrim on the Switch and it's awesome. And part of why I'm excited is because just like uh, Fallout 3 and 4 and Skyrim and, and uh, um, all the other games. Skyrim, uh, just like Skyrim. Just like Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't played any of the DLC for uh, Skyrim yet. So well, I'm super excited to... to if you thought if you thought Fallout Four was good, then be prepared to be blown away. <laughs> no, actually, Fallout Four was. But if you okay. knew that, well, yeah, uh, three in Vegas is the best one. Vegas um, is the best one. V, what a, what type of guy are you playing in Skyrim? I am doing a lusty Argonian maid. <laughs> no, I'm just a no. Imperial. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. I'm just doing uh, destruction magic and a and a single and a sword. You Khajiit though or Nor yeah, or what? Hopefully not Khajiit. Just a human. Okay, I've so never been able to do magic. Just there are three the, humans. Are you Brandon yeah. Imperial or Nord? I, I said Imperial. Oh, oh I thought you said I, human. I yeah, thought, I thought he said basic yeah. human. I'm basic like, human. No, I there said are three or four races. Uh, according to me, oh uh, man, I'm such a terrible person. Red guard. <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, cheese. Red guard, Breton, Imperial, Nord. Oh wow. my gosh, you, yeah. we are gonna get some angry can comments. You be, have any of you guys ever been a Khajiit? Do they have any like? I've been a Khajiit before. Do they have any stealth? special? Yeah, stats you got to be like are... a rogue type. Oh, okay. They make Thief. great thieves. Skuma dealers. I've never been able to do magic in, in an Elder Scrolls game, except I, I just for do Elder restoration. Scrolls. That's the only one I'm like level up at all. Yeah, I uh, last time I played it, the first time I played through, I actually just did, um, and I'd never done it before that. Uh, just shield sword, and that and was sword kind and of board. fun. Like actually yeah, leveling fun. up shield. That I had kind of a blast doing that. Yeah, because you get the so, pushes in Skyrim, uh, don't you? And like yeah. knockbacks and, and stuff. That's fun. I hadn't done that before, and then this time I I haven't done magic ever, so I wanted to do some magic. And oh man, you you have the best thing to do, and I I'm like a swordsman like from day one, which you know. But yes, you gotta you gotta go stealth and get a bow. That's the best thing that's in cool. any Elder Scrolls game. I love doing one hand sword, one hand though magic. Yeah, I no, love that's super that's too. super that's fun. fun. But it looked but cool. Like sneak killing people with headshots from super far away it's is fun. so satisfying in a Skyrim game because they talk about it too. Like the game characters, like I'll never forget one of my favorite moments in Oblivion was 
like a hundred hours in, I was sneaking around this temple and I'd done it a million times, but it was just like, I was like sneaking through a temple with cultists or whatever. And, and then like, you kind of like go, what? someone was like, what was that? <laughs> and then they don't know it's me. And then I just kind of like bow them right in the head and they make such a great, like, uh, sound. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the cool things about those games is all the different builds you can play. That, that's super fun. And I, I'm definitely, I used to just do the same every time. And now as I'm getting older, I'm having fun just trying different ones that I haven't done before. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Anything else you've been playing? Uh, no. <laughs> well, we know you've actually had probably a pretty long day at work. Do you want to pause out here and we'll join you in the future? Yeah, that sounds good, guys. <laughs> I had a good time and uh, I got to go do some packing because I'm uh, moving neighborhoods again. So. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, well, actually, not nice. It kind of sucks, but <laughs> yeah, hit but, us uh, up about that, V. We're uh, we want to make sure you're doing good, man. Hit us up about that. For sure, we'll do, guys. It was uh, fun being here. Thanks for having me on. As yeah, man. As always, well, ha- have a good week and make sure you uh, you know pack it pack it nicely, pack it tight. Just <laughs> <say that>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hit you up later, my my dog. Uh, and uh, the book of the month, guys, is uh, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. If anybody out there is a Oh, my reader, gosh. You're reading uh, The Name of the Wind? <laughs> I actually tried reading it. It's, it's pretty good. You know, I just haven't got you know he, wrote, uh, he wrote an NPC for the Numenera PC game. Really? I do know he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he cool. Did. He's a very big into like game. He's really cool. He's on yeah, they, no, they, for their, their uh, like, um, what's it called? Um, stretch goals. They had like a bunch of different authors that were going to do different got- characters. No, yeah, they got That's Patrick cool. Rothfuss. Yeah. Um, this is my third time reading it, so it's that good. Oh, really? I got to check it out sometime. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about it more next time. Just a little bit. I won't go too much. But, yeah, he's, uh, it's a, he's a very good – he's taking freaking for longer than uh, George R. R. Martin these days to finish the third book. He's like five Is he as good at describing book. food and boobs as George R. R. Martin? <laughs> no one can be that. Sorry, that that's, that's a high standard. <laughs> <laughs> it was a ripe feast filled with the finest meats it is and so, fruits. That book, that what, series is so amazing. What were you just describing though? I That could go either way. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, uh, Jake and Bake, it was great having you on, man. Have a good week and uh, Terraform Mars. All right. Veet, veet, mesquite. Jake out. All right. Well, uh, Jakey Poo just dialed off here, so um, thanks for dialing in, my brah. Uh, Janky Bear, why don't you tell us about what games you're playing, man? All right, so as you guys know, if you downloaded the uh, Assassin's Creed review, I did sit down and finish Assassin's Creed Origins during uh, on Christmas Day, actually. Ooh, during oh, on me Christmas. too. During Merry on Christmas. Christmas. Day. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, you know, and me. I, I agree with Brian. It's a very good game. It's the first time in Assassin's Creed game where I wanted to actually go out and explore things. The uh, the pyramids were cool. Going in there, checking out all the uh, little puzzles, trying to figure out how to get to the treasures and all that was cool. But in the end, I did not like the story. And I know you keep saying it's an origin story, but like... It doesn't make anything. anything. <laughs> it, is, it is the a prequel to what is happening. Yeah, but they do a lot of cool still, nods. You can still make a prequel and forward the story because that was the big thing that was go- getting stale with the Assassin's Creed. Do you Creed. think uh, if I interrupted you right now yeah, that please. it would still be a great game? Hold on, let me think about it.
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, but I just I, I really wanted to see the the uh, the story go somewhere. I like that they brought the present protagonist back. That was pretty cool. She was an interesting character. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it, it was a great game. I just didn't like how it ended. That was my big complaint about it. They even do like I don't want to say it on here because it's a spoiler, but they do really cool nods that they didn't have to do. Are we talking about like yes and no nods? <laughs> yes, yes yeah. and no yeah, nods. A, they do cool nods to previous the characters. The choices animations. I don't like, know nods compared to Black Flag, Unity, Syndicate, where they just made up a totally random story. Like you really Black think it's that Flag much? Black Flag was amazing. I love that game. So you're you're a first person Ubisoft employee, and that's supposed to be a great. Oh no no no, no. <laughs> not not that part. But I mean the actual that, game. That's itself the story was that fun. you're upset at in Origins, though. Sorry, I really like. No, Origins. okay. So in in Black Flag, they show how the. I can't wait to play it and then not really care for it. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good game. It is a they, fun. You don't play it for the story. Everyone but likes it. Who I've talked about at least likes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Anyways, um, besides that, I played. I have been playing Skyrim on the uh, Xbox One. Finally, I I got around to playing the expansion, so that's what I'll talk about. I played through Dawnguard. Um, you know, I was talking to you about this before the podcast started. It's not my favorite. I'm not a huge fan it's, of the vampire story. See, I, so now I, there's lots of things about Dawnguard that I enjoyed, but again, I played all of that at the time of, so it was like. Before you reached peak Skyrim ingestion, and so you were just create like, oh, Dawn Guard's out. Like, I want to play this. Right. You know? It's it's entertaining. Did it's, you play it right after the campaign? I I played um I played I think I even though I'm trying to remember the order I did things, but I think I might have played Dawn Guard before I finished the main campaign. Okay. And I think I played Soulstime after I finished the main campaign. Okay. Um, but Dawnguard is definitely like the weakest. Well, actually, the house one is the weakest, but it's not really. Count. <laughs> it's not like a three dollar or five dollar add on though. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I just because in the game itself, I'm not a huge fan of the vampires. I don't know like what like why they're everywhere and what their significance is. But I never cared for being a vampire. I think Soulstime is where you can be a vampire in Morrowind, right? Or is that werewolves? I never got that. Solstheim is the uh, like the snow werewolf. world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the snow and ash it's werewolves. Um, Dongard highlighted though when I played it, the one thing that I'll bring up is one of my least favorite things about Elder Scrolls games, which I'm I love the world of, is that the because of the way they scale those games, um, the coolest looking weapons that you find are never useful. So there's no like like you'll get this you'll get a sweet sword at the end of Dawnbreaker. But it's so under level to something you could just barely craft. That, like, it's like, can't you Harkin, upgrade it though? You can, but it, it's even at like the most you can upgrade it. It's like not better than anything you could just craft. In other words, like like you know, like in Zelda, like the Master Sword is the big deal, you know, and you find it and it's like a kick-ass sword. You need to play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit different there. Spoilers. You, you do like in the end, you do get uh, like it's called Harkin's Sword, and it looks really cool and it's got some good stats on it, but it's really weak. Right, exactly. It's weak. That's the thing. I just love it how a game from 2011, three of us are playing because they released <laughs> three different versions of it uh, in one year. Okay, so I have some backstory for it. this. Dawnguard, never played Dawnguard, Dawn but then I went to go play, <laughs> I played the Dragonborn DLC, and when I went to go to play it, one of the NPCs actually got eaten by, not eaten, but killed by a dragon, and I could not progress past that You've heard this tale, this bard's it. tale before. yes. <laughs> yes. So now I'm finally playing it, and it is fun. And there are um, the the whole the idea of being able to uh, 
go into that book and go into the the world where all the little like Cthulhu things are, mm-hmm. like that that's pretty cool. Um, I haven't gotten to the end of it, so I can't really say like how it ends. I do like that there are they kind of go into detail about what happened to the dwarves and the uh, snow elves and stuff like that. So that's, that's cool. cool. Never be as good as the Oblivion expansion with the madness. I forgot what it's called. Oh, oh Shivering Isles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh that is that's so flipping good. That's yeah. the best. Elder Scrolls that expansion. It's one of the best expansion. DLCs I've ever played. Knights of the Nine is nothing to shrug at either. That's a great one. They were long. Both of those expansions are really long. The, yeah. I think they're better than the main game. I, I don't want to go off into Oblivion, but just the Oblivion games. Literally. Eh. Literally. <laughs> uh, my, my big complaint is by the time I was done with the main campaign in Skyrim, I was tired of dragons. Mm. So you still play the expansions, and there's just dragons everywhere when Would you're trying you to say do it started things. to drag on? Drag on, <laughs> yes, yes. Speaking of which, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but other than that, that's, th- I mean, that's what I've been playing. I, I'm planning on breaking open Xenoblade and see if it's as bad as Brian says it is, but, or Brank. Everyone, mo- most people that knew that, like, thought they might enjoy it seem to enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah. What are your right. thoughts on fan service? <laughs> More of it, the better. <laughs> Wait, didn't you also get a Ryzen Zero Dawn? Yeah, I did. I haven't, I haven't played it yet, though. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that that's it, guys. Um, you know. All right, well, I guess all right. we're done. We'll, see, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, thanks for tuning in. Donnie, you want to give us your uh, Donnie games? No. Okay. <laughs> it's moving on. Uh, moving yeah. On. Um, I have been playing, let's see, a ton of Elder Scrolls Online still. Um, I Do the guys all still play with you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's mainly why I've been playing a ton because we've just been doing dungeons every night. Yeah. Did you get um, through like... Like, how are you guys doing the dungeons? Are you just choosing a zone and going to all the dungeons there and then moving on? Or what? no, we're doing dailies. Oh, okay. um, there's a there's a there's a guild called the Undaunted, and um, so part of like end game gear in Elder Scrolls Online is like you want to have full complete armor sets because you have bonuses for each thing. So like, I wear a set of gear called the Defiler set, which summons a hunger when I do critical damage, or it has a percentage of doing it, but does it really frequently. Um, so it's important I wear five sets. However, you five have... Five pieces of the set? Five pieces of the set. However, you have three slots for jewelry, feet, legs, hands, chest, head, weapon, offhand weapon, or shield, or whatever, unless you're doing two-handed. But mm-hmm. um, Are so, weapons included in the armor sets? They are. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you could have... Are there like various tiers of bonuses? Like if you have three pieces, you get a minor bonus. Yep. And yep. Then... One, starting at two, yeah. Mm. And a lot of them are specific to builds. Like medium armor set builds are good for stamina. Light armor is good for magicka. Mm-hmm. Tanky build, like heavy armor is good for tanky builds. As in, like the same armor sets have varying degrees of armor durability. So it's like no, this is the... it's more like um like when you're when if you're using a medium armor set, there's a good chance that the the previous like the the end tier is one thing, but the tiers leading up to it will generally be stamina-oriented or criti- web-critical But oriented. you can get Defiler set in light, medium, and heavy? Defiler, so no, Defiler set, there's, there's certain sets that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Defiler set is the medium armor set found anywhere in Vardenfell of Morrowind. Okay. So they have regional sets, um. and they have a light, heavy, and medium regional set for pretty much every region. And so, then they have a light, medium, heavy set for every dungeon, too. Okay, I was going to ask. Okay, So there's tons of different sets to have. And something that's nice is that um, any like unique set or armor piece that you find, you can transfer to an alt. So oh, you don't have to... So it's all BOE? Exactly, okay. yeah. So that's you cool. can... Um, so if you like are playing one character, and you're like, you find a, like most of a really great heavy armor set, but you don't play a tank, you're like, oh, but I have a tank. I can just put it in my bank and use it. Nice. Um, but yeah, so... 
and uh, you don't compete for gear right? exactly That's, yeah yeah it's, so cool. it's it's great um but there are these there are a couple there's a there's these things called the monster sets which are actually two piece sets so you get the max bonus at two pieces it's a head and a chest or no head and a shoulders um and you get them by unlocking these chests that you get for being undaunted and you undaunted dailies are essentially doing dungeons mm. um they they you have to do like a little quest to join the guild and then it's like they give you three dailies every day there's one person that gives you dungeon dailies that are all the dlc dungeons one person and then the other two people i forget how they're divided up but they're just divided up um, so we've been running a lot of dungeons. Uh, it's interesting because for a lot of the, um, and and when they released the one Tamriel up, update, it changed the game so that there's like the champion point system, which is like the post fifty leveling system. Yeah, what are you right now? Uh, two fifty out of uh six ninety. What's um but, NJ? Um, five ninety, I think five seventy, okay. and Nathan's like three eleven. Oh, nice. Um, Love that band. Would you? Yeah. Would you say though the dungeons are are kind of like a game of catch. Oh, yeah. They're pretty much like a game of catch. Brank wrote that down and was like waiting for the moment. Didn't to even want to integrate it in a good way. <laughs> I am literally going to get you back. So it's what like else, we'll be playing a game of catch. What else besides um, old stupid scrolls, dumb line? I'll tell you when I'm done talking about it. Um, done! But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so there's a lot of mechanics in some of the dungeons that even that are that make it really hard to do with less than four people. Um, you can do so, a dungeon with less than four people. Yeah, so we we've huh. been three manning a lot of dungeons, but there are ones. So every dungeon has a normal mode and a veteran mode, which is basically hard right. mode. Mm -hmm. um, but so most of a lot of the dungeons we can do three man on normal, but and some of the dungeons we can do three man on veteran. But a lot of the dungeons, especially the DLC ones, which are generally speaking more challenging, we can't even do on normal. Like we got, we've done twice now where we've done a, a dungeon where we got to the end and then the last boss just creamed us. Because the puzzle or the boss fight because requires the mechanics, like yeah, positioning and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's been a ton of fun. I, I can't see myself stopping. Um, I'm That's called an addiction. Yeah, I'm playing through... Um, the Clockwork City DLC, which is fun because you get glimmer. to deal. It's not. It's oh. so it's the third tribunal. So there's Vivek, mm -hmm. Amalexia, and Sothasil. Mm -hmm. So Sothasil built a city that's the size of like a globe, basically, oh. and it's inspired by Dwemer, but it's cool. not Dwemer. That's so it's awesome. like it looks sort of different. Everything's kind of robotic, mm -hmm. um, and it's a it's like one of the coolest looking areas I've ever explored. That's right. Um, Have you been playing with Jank though? Because he needs a friend, and he's been playing. I've seen him online. He's playing by himself. This is, this is Brian's now. dad talking. This is the time to do this, okay? I need. We brought you here for a reason, okay? Uh, this is an intervention. Intervention. I don't, I, know to, I don't know. You guys listening can't see, but I don't know what to make of the look Brian just gave. Me, Brank just gave me. Love to call it an imposition. Uh, it was like kind of wistful, but <laughs> wistful. <laughs> this is why we brought you here. Yeah. Um, uh, get you and Jank. So Jank, you're still party. playing it though? Yeah, I'm still playing. I I stopped playing. Did you after you spent that money on it? I was a little, well, 
for one, it was thirty dollars. That twenty dollar bill. It's a, it's a time commitment. Like it is a huge it, commitment. It is. Yeah. And I think I made a mistake picking that class. It's <laughs> it was so boring. Which class did you pick? I I was playing a Nightblade, but I was playing it as a Siphon, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the like the most akin to a Warlock in World of Warcraft. It probably doesn't get good for a little it bit. It was so boring. I yeah. should have just re-rolled and then gone back to it's it when I got higher too, level. It's hard too when you first start out because you don't get good armor. I had or two spells. Like, like nothing. That. Nothing like give me gave me trouble in terms of combat but i had two spells Mm -hmm. for the whole thing and it was like i couldn't sneak because you can't sneak attack with spells at least the ones that i had and yeah it was just like boring i was like uh i could literally do anything else and have more fun played pally bubble pally bubble bubble hearth yeah yeah um yeah i've I've been playing i haven't altered to nightblade but i played as like a as a rogue as an assassin yeah 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 yeah. cool Um, but uh, anyway, so I've also been playing a lot of Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is a couple years old at this point. It's awesome. It is really great. Um, actually, now that I'm farther along in the story, I've realized that it is essentially the same uh, modern day story part of Assassin's Creed 2 before they screw it up in Assassin's Creed 3. Because it focuses, it's kind of got an Indiana Jones feel where you're investigating like historic myths but it, it kind of goes into this like where it's like, oh, here's the truth behind all these religious myths. But then it kind of bounces back and forth between like, well, this was just kind of like exaggerated, but then this is not exaggerated. So it's like it never really settles on like, a, oh, there's no such thing as like the supernatural. Like it never does that. But it reminds me of what Assassin's Creed was setting up with all of the Templars and all that kind of stuff before they were just like, well, aliens. You know. <laughs> aliens. Um, What's the that game? Is also awesome. Oh, yeah. And actually, something one of my favorite things about Rise of the Tomb Raider, and the same with the, with the uh, one before it, regular Tomb Raider reboot, um, stealth bow hunting is probably one of the... It's as satisfying as it is in an Elder Scrolls game. It is just so freaking cool. Um, especially when it's like, especially when you start getting skills where you can like use poison arrows and kill a bunch of people at once. Or now I have a skill where I can like stealth kill someone and then set a trap in his body so that when other guys come up to investigate, they just all die. <laughs> Assassin's um, Creed awesome. literally stole that combat and used it in Origins. Okay. It's, that's why I enjoyed the book. Yeah. Anyways, so... <laughs> you had a question though for him about it. Oh, I said, what was the tone of the game? Is it like... Fun or Rise of the Tomb Raider is most it's it's so it's a little bit well it's not it's not lighthearted and the first reboot here the regular Tomb Raider is super brutal because it's like it's before Laura Croft has really like got like come into her own she's stranded on an island there's a bunch of dudes out to kill her like it's very like like tough time to be a woman not in a political way but just in like a it's like a brutal game, um, hmm. and it's pretty intense. And so this game is like, it's a couple years later, I think. So it's a little bit less intense, but it's still intense. Like, hmm. um, it's not, it's not dark. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's more of like a, you know, it's like a Batman Begins to like Batman Forever, gotcha, kind of deal. It's like you know, it's like a, it's like a really gritty Indiana Jones, basically. Are, are there nipples? No. Okay. I mean, probably <laughs> man nipples. For that. Yeah. Uh, they they made Laura, I think they made her. Uh, <clears throat> she's definitely like an attractive video game character, I guess. But they've made her more. You know, if you were like actually like an Indiana Jones type character who was climbing mountains and stuff like that, you'd probably have slightly more athletic build. They, I'm not saying they didn't go full that way, but 
They want a little more. Less less big boobs. More more realistic. Yeah. It's okay. US Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Not Premier's <laughs> Edge uh, change. Um and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been playing. Oh yeah, still been playing Legend of Legacy. Um that has gone from a quirky game that I was just kind of trying to play because I owned it to a game that I actually think is pretty fantastic. Really misunderstood. It is I read a review of it. Um that basically highlighted the fact that it is essentially a Super Nintendo game, which is true. It's very plot thin. The whole game is about exploring. And whereas a lot of Japanese RPGs are games that you play for the story, and then you kind of just kind of suffer through the combat system. Not always, but in a lot of times it's like, this. it's just there. This game is the opposite, where there's very little story to play through, but the combat mechanics are awesome. Every battle is strategic. Um, every battle is, is it takes a long time to get to a point where there's even trash mobs where you can just kind of like blow through it mindlessly. And the me- mechanics are so opaque um, that you can almost like, it's almost fun to come up with your own theories on how to get stronger and test them out because there's no way of knowing exactly what's going on behind the scenes because they hide all of that from you. So you kind of have to figure out how to get stronger on your own. Really, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, other than that, it's really cool when it came out. Yeah, it's got it's a fantastic soundtrack, which I posted about today on our Instagram. Um, do you have the frog character in your party? I do not. He looks so cool. Um, I want to play him. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> they have a frog <laughs> character that looks like he's from Crow Trigger. Apparently, uh, he's so not. Really... Apparently, he's not an easy use usability. Oh really? Um, hmm. Yeah, because there's because basically you can mold every character to do whatever you want, but certain characters that sell at different things. Yeah. So, and by Excel, I mean they learn faster because the whole point of this game is it's called awakening abilities. So, like when you equip a sword, you have the basic attack slice, which costs a certain amount of MP, which is zero. It's called SP in this game. Um, And when you attack, there's a random chance that you will awaken a new attack. Um, And that's how you build attacks. The same with magic. And so, certain characters, like, oh, they learn water magic really fast, but they suck at everything else, kind of thing. Like, so I haven't used Filmia as his name. And I don't probably never will because it takes it takes a long time to grind people up, and I'm just gonna stick with the party I have now, which is the party I got when I chose the character Mures, who's like the elementalist dude. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've played like a scarce amount of Diablo three, which I was gifted. Oh uh, really? Yeah. What did you play? What did you pick? Uh, Crusader. Yeah. Um, Crusader's cool. Crusader's so. Yeah, fun. I didn't. Um, I didn't care. F- I didn't care for it, or I, or I shouldn't say that. I. Um, How many hours have you played? Right. I was about to say I. I barely like. I wasn't. I was kind of like. Uh, I don't want to get into this because this seems like a whole thing. It's gonna be a thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just did a little bit of that. exactly. That's what I so, yeah, the Crusader doesn't get good to like level twenty. Yeah. Diablo three is PC only, right? No, no, it's, no, Xbox. no. it's Xbox oh, as well. It? I oh. play it on Xbox. I used yeah. to have it on PC, and now I'm playing on Xbox One. It's been on. Uh, it was on the previous generation. It's, too. it's actually okay. really great on the Xbox. Um, yeah, I, I think really PC fun. first because it was designed for PC in mind. But yeah, right. It that is, rollability uh, though makes it like which rollability? The ability like just pushing anywhere on the right thumbstick it lets you yeah get roll. that makes it feel yeah, like it was designed for console no it, it, it does have a great feel yeah um so crusader yeah crusader and are you playing with nathan no oh, okay. um he has it too but he's not going to play anytime soon friend we're, of the show we're playing elder scrolls yeah, so, yeah um that's pretty much why i'm not really playing it i just wanted to try it out because i got it yeah um, it gets better there, yeah man. i actually i will say though i actually do not like the rollability um, what? You won't feels, use it. It feels oh, annoying. I love it. You That's won't use like, it. It lets you traverse the landscape so quick, though. As a so, crusader, you will not need it. Yeah, oh, but as like goodness. a, 
I mean, that I can see that if you're like trying to impatiently get from map to map, but yeah, just that's what you're doing. You're just you're describing to your personalities. Bad guys, guys. Yeah. trying to hit the bad but like guys. Like as a as just like a like of a controller mechanic feel. I didn't like it, but oh. I liked it. I don't use it. I use it on my necro a little bit, but um, I think if I was playing a demon hunter, I might play it more. If I'm yeah. not in combat, I am spamming roll. Oh my gosh, that sounds miserable. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, uh, anything else you're playing down That's uh, pretty much it for me. Okay. Um, well, I can lay on y'all what I'm playing. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Let me... Um, I was playing a little Diablo 3 as well, actually. Picked up my Crusader again. You're level 2 or...? I'm level 3. Just got <laughs> level 3. Uh, now, I'm in Act 5, and the mo- I'm like in a really weird spot where the game is um, getting a little unforgiving. I'm on, a pr- I'm on the highest difficulty that I can at the moment. Is that nightmare or it's, or hell or it's, whatever? Uh, well, there's so many levels. Inferno, I can't. Remember I don't remember. I think it's six 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 Satan's hell lair. Yeah. Brian's mom loves Brian. this. Mom, that's the one my mom plays. <laughs> yeah. is, okay. Uh, I, I think I'm on like the ninth or tenth difficulty, whatever that is. Oh, I don't. I don't remember wow. what it is. Uh, I, I raise it every every time that I can because I like challenges. Like an idiot. Yeah. I mean, you should try it. Uh, anyways, though, I'm at this point of the game where maybe it's just like the the skills that I have that I that I carried over from from Act Four, but they're just like useless. And I'll and I'll spend like 30 seconds killing a trash mob, and I'm like, this does not feel right. And nothing will kill me, but it's just not as satisfying because the whole point of like the trash is just like blow through it and blow it up and have have fun. Anyways, though, um, also you're my still Crusader. necro or are you? Oh, you're the Crusader I I actually well, so I played necro first and then. Uh, I got to like Act Two around there, and I was like, oh, I want to play Crusader because that's the new, yeah. ki- the other new class. And um, once I got to where I was with my Necker, I'm like, oh, my Crusader is just way more fun. So I just like stuck with the Crusader and played it all the way through um, to Act Five. I feel like unless you play with friends, magic characters are not ever very fun. I don't know because the Necker has so many different play styles. Because you can you can be like a summoner, you can be um, like a magic, more like a mage type character. Um, it has really rad mechanics, and I also just those are the characters I always gravitate to in games, just like the most Christian ones. Wicked devil. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Saint why. Mongers. This is all I all I ever do. Anyways, I haven't been playing too much Diablo three. The other Blizz game I've been giving a lot of L to is my uh, Hearthstone, which I haven't played in a long time. They're about to say, "Wow, no? surprising." No, I. Um, oh, you're about to say catch. <laughs> Blizzard's catch. But then I remember that you're not Brink, and catch jokes are reserved for Brink. Uh, right, exactly. There, I'm right. off limits. Save me now. You can God. do the stock jokes for me, I guess. Yeah. Stockades. Stocker. Stocks. Ooh, yeah, stocker. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing a ton of Hearthstone, um, which has been really, really fun because I think I might have. Have we talked about it on the show yet? The we Dungeon haven't talked about Kobold at all. Oh, it's been man. a long time if, since we talked about games. If any of you guys out there, listeners, have played Hearthstone and gotten into it, and then maybe fallen off the wagon um, and can't get back into the meta, etc., all that kind of stuff, this is like the perfect way to get back into the game because it requires almost no previous knowledge of the game. You don't play against um, players who have insanely meta decks, and you don't have to have dust or your own card collection because you basically build your deck as you go and explore the dungeon. So you start, you you, you pick a class, and you're um, you fight a random boss, um, and there you have to fight eight bosses in a row to win. A Question: run. Yeah, is this um, is this mode locked behind some type of like you have to have a certain no. type of ticket for it? Nope, you it's just awesome. That you just show up. That's awesome. This. Yeah, it's super fun. So you go in there and um, there's like just like any other dungeon in the game, like Nax Ramus or whatever. There's like a main boss host who's like really silly, and he's a kobold in this game. Which for those of you who don't know, kobold in Blizzard lore, they're like these weird little. 
Uh, I think they have like their roots in Germanic folklore, but they're like these little like candle holder guys that dwell in caves. The rat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kobolds are are pretty common in most mythology. That's like a real thing. Fantasy, yeah, 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 real mythology. Like Goldshire, I remember finding tons mm-hmm. of them in all yeah. lines. Anyways, though, so so you you pick a class and you um, fight eight bosses, and the boss selection is actually random, which is super cool. I think there's like seventy five different bosses that you can fight, um, and the bosses have. Uh, unique decks and unique cards and abilities and things like that. So you can build you can build a deck that happens to be really great for one type of boss, but terrible against others. And you just I don't know, it's really cool. So um, I've been playing. Uh, I, I actually beat it with the warlock, beat it with the hunter, and beat it with the shaman. And oh, there's one other class that I beat it with. I don't remember which. But do you get a unique card back for each of those? Or? No, you just get a card back if you complete it with all classes. Oh, so it's it's a challenge. Um, I got really close last night on the mage, but I, I just can't clinch it with the mage. I've been getting uh, r- bad randoms. But um, the way that the game works, though, is so you you pick your class, you pick you beat the first boss, and you start the game with like twelve cards, something like that, pretty generic mage cards. And then after you beat that first boss, you get a treasure. And every class has different types of treasures. Like you start the game with two mana, or you start the game you double your health, or um, some other crazier treasures. Anyways, though, you you'll like. You'll build a, tr- you'll grab a treasure, and then you get three options of three different card packs to boost your deck, and so you can get like a mech uh, synthesized deck, a secrets deck, or uh, a legendary minions deck, and you can get like super crazy combos and like really fun stuff. I remember on my warlock, I got uh, the new Gul'dan hero replacement, and I had summoned and resummoned Malganus two different times in the game before, and he had died. Now, so, is there a regular Dan or just Gold Dan? This is <laughs> there's Silver gold Dan. Dan, uh, you guys know the Malganus card, right? Real quick, the the Malganus card is is an, this amazing legendary no. minion that came out during um, the goblins and I thought Malganus is the standard. No, that's um that's uh kill not kill Jaden. It's um what's his name? It's uh. It's the red dude. Yeah, that's, who that's takes not Malganus. But then they also, I thought, have Malganus, Malganus is the a guy, who guy who gives you guys his uh, immunity or whatever. It gives yeah, you that's Malganus. So you're not, there's no, that's not no. Malganus. So you're talking about the character who replaces you. It's like his name is like Kill Jaden or something like that. It's not Kill Jaden. It's um, Archimond or, anyways, some other. Yeah, it's Kill Jaden Smith. Kill Jaden Smith. Kill nice, Jaden. thank you. No, but you're you're thinking of the very like first like vanilla legendary um, warlock card who kills your hero, replaces it. Yeah. You have 15 health, and you have the Inferno ability. I thought Malganus was also in standard. Okay. No, Malganus. Malganus came out like in in like one of the first expansions. Anyways, though, he's like 14 nine, something like ridiculous, or seven nine. I don't remember nine seven nine seven is what he is, and he um, gives all your demons on the board plus two plus two, and makes your hero immune. So anyways, I had summoned two of him, and you can only have one legendary of each type in your deck at any time, but because the decks get so out of hand in the kobolds, I had two Malganuses, Malgani, and they had both died earlier in that game. And then when you get Gul'dan, he resummons all uh, friendly demons that died earlier that game. So I had two Malganuses up, and like, I don't know, it was, it was just super fun. So I really recommend getting into it, because it's like super challenging, really rewarding, and it's and great. it's free. And it's free. Tight. And you don't have to have meta knowledge, and you don't have to have like hundreds of dollars invested in the game. So, so it's super how rad. many hundreds of dollars though do I have? Twelve thousand dollars. No. 
12,100. 12, <laughs> I don't even want to do that math. Uh, yeah, so that's been super rad. Um, You've been playing other junks, too. I have been playing other junk. Playing Mario Odyssey, which I alluded to earlier. Uh, me and my son beat it the other night. It was so much fun to beat it You're together. playing Cappy, right? Yeah. He's the one who's yeah, played Mario. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we barely got through it, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm just chilling in the Mushroom Kingdom now, which is so did, much fun. Did, were you able to avoid that as a spoiler beforehand? What do you mean? Like that the Mushroom Kingdom was there for you to I, like, and go Lunch to? And Kingdom is pretty much what we're asking. I, I heard about it. Um, someone told me that, that you go there. I didn't know when what or how. Dick. Yeah. It's not me. It's not me. I promise. It, it, I don't know. It wasn't like a spoiler. It was just like I just knew that it happened. Um, anyways, though. That was a really cool part of the game, though. I love it. Go, like, yeah. And just like all the music that as you get the pixelated super mario 64 i haven't yet i gotta get to i I heard the guy tell me about it though yeah you gotta get to darker side of the moon and beat that the ending to that is like really wraps up the game even if you don't get all the moons it's such a hard ending though that will take a very long time to finish it took me about two hours and i play a lot of video games as in it's just a challenging platform so what it is what it is is it's like a it's like a 10 it's probably 10 to 15 minutes of a platform sequence maybe not even maybe it is literally under 10 minutes yeah it's probably under 10 minutes it's not 2d right it's like traditional it's it's like the whole it's like it's regular like mario odyssey it's a 3d experience um but uh, it's it's a platforming sequence with no save spots, oh. so you have to beat the entire thing in one run. Yeah. But you you learn it as you go, and then it's not really that bad. Like once you get to the end, um, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. But the ending of it, when you get to when you like do the tower and stuff, like it's cool. It's just so cool. The music and like the whole. Uh, I can't wait. Did yeah. you finish it, Josh? I, I I didn't finish the um, moon, darker side, dar- darker side, but no, oh I goodness. I loved the the mushroom kingdom. You didn't really trade cool. that game in too, did you? No, I haven't. Okay, home, you so. should <laughs> go back and beat it. It's uh, amazing. I, I've I've really enjoyed that game. One because it's just so playable, and like you just hop on. Like barely anything gives me trouble in that. I actually just recently ran into something that was difficult, which was the platforming or the two D platforming sequence in Mushroom Kingdom where you go uh where like the world is like part 3d and part 2d oh yeah is the world moving yeah it's like where there will be there will be like pieces of the world that are 2d that you have to stay within while the platforms are moving okay around. that's really hard that yeah. took me so yeah long that was to a tough that. one to beat yeah. if you can beat that you'll be able to do darker side okay because that took me that took me at least 15 tries yeah to do I, that. I think about that for me as well probably yeah. 14 actually uh, probably it was actually, <laughs> looking back it uh, took me 13 tries <laughs> I did it on my first try, but whatever. <laughs> did you really? Screw you. Screw you. Oh, I was gonna say. I love the um, I love the racing, the Koopa racing. Oh, those are fun. When you oh, find, when you figure he's out in the Mushroom Kingdom, right? He's in every, every kingdom. and there's two of them. Once oh. you beat the two game, them, there's a second. Once you, oh, but it's cool. after you beat the game and oh, you unlock sweet. the moons. The Just moon like moons. in in the old Mario 64, where you'd race him to the yeah. top or something. But it's oh, fun sweet. to find like uh, like you have to like figure out your route. Metro Kingdom is the the trickiest one. Yeah. That one I had to like, or or maybe it's a. The the one with all the trees and there's the you fight the like oh, the plant the, monster the glass yeah, yeah the, the, I didn't actually think mushroom Metro Kingdom was game, that or Metro Kingdom wasn't hard because the route was easy yeah but Metro the Kingdom was hard, hard because you have to do those like you have to get on those umbrellas like at the right time yeah. and you have to do that trip that really hard jump though to be able to do it perfectly yeah. right and I, I think it's called Forest Kingdom that was the one that took me the longest wooded kingdom wooded 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 which one is that the one with the robots it's one of the dark forests like below yeah it's the one with the robots. 
else. Okay. Yeah, where you like fight the harvester flying saucer did you, thing. Did you find the the dark forest underneath the level? Yeah, where the T Rex is. Like, yeah. yeah, I didn't even that find it until I heard about it. Yeah, I didn't that know was cool. it was there. I was like, what? I think I found it on accident. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, that was super fun. You fall off the side of the yeah, map. Yeah, no, no. I, I, yeah, I remember that. But yeah, that game has just been so great. It's it's so amazing. I remember when I first turned it on with Eli. It's the first game he's really been. Excited did you get about. the pirate costume for him? Oh yeah. Uh, actually, it was so it was so cool the way that it worked out because I got it on Christmas Eve. And Eli was already like super excited about Christmas and stuff like that. And so the next morning when we were like killing time while the girls were getting ready. Eli's 20, by the way. Eli's 20. <laughs> He's a 22-year-old boy. <laughs> really excited about Christmas with his pop. I had him when I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> really we're advanced. all 16 on here, so it's a really strange dynamic. Don't worry about it. So anyways, though, like um, we, we turned it on and he's like, why is Mario pirate daddy? And then I was like, oh, Santa must have just hopped on, had a cookie, and play a little Mario. It's like, wow. So that was that was really cool. Oh, that game is so great. That's great. But yeah, it, it's been a really fun game. I'm looking forward to getting to the moon, uh, dark side of the moon and stuff. I don't know if I'll do the full 880 or 999 moons, but I definitely want to get to those secret worlds. Yeah, you should you, you should plan on at least beating the secret worlds, whether or not, because you don't need, you just need the 500 to get to them. Okay. Um, did you get an... I feel like we have one last game that you played, though, a little bit of. Um, I've played... Actually, three more games I played a little bit wait, of. Wait, wait, wow. wait. Three? Hey, rank, oh, no. what games has Dave been playing? I don't know. I just know about this <laughs> other one he mentioned a little bit, so uh, I just want to hear I, his opinion more. I don't know. Uh, Zelda? Is that what you're yeah. alluding to? Yeah. Uh, so I did play a little Zelda, and that was, um, I played it for maybe two or three hours. I just did a couple shrines. and like You're still on the mountain? Yeah, still on the mountain. I, um, I found the old man's little hut. I'm working on his recipe right now for That's that awesome. cured meat thing. Um, I, it was so funny because I was like, okay, so I just got to like go hunt this boar. Um, so I go and hunt the boar, and I'm like, oh my, all right, got this boar, got him. And I shot him over the cliff. And I was like, oh, great, that was my last arrow. So now I'm like looking for arrows so I can go hunt this boar so I can get meat. And uh, I just haven't played. And the reason why I stopped playing, though, was because um, I was like, okay, I could get really into this game, and I don't want to take away from Mario because I know all you guys liked Zelda better than Mario. So, And I know that's kind of an unfair comparison, but I don't want to like get pulled into it and not, not play Mario. But anyways, though, I did play about two hours of it, did the first two shrines. I love the rune mechanic. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, is there, like, when you get into the advanced dungeons, do you have access to all your runes? And it's just kind of like a bag of tricks you have? Yeah, there's never a point in that game where you, so those rune, the things that you get at the beginning, mm-hmm. use those through the whole game. It's not oh, like cool. a conventional Zelda where it's like, oh, you go here and then you get the this. Um, mm-hmm. You will get stuff for doing dungeons, but it's not stuff that you can't, finish something without getting okay it's it's really clever like yeah. it was a way where i was like well this is dumb now i do the dungeon i get nothing and yeah. then i got something and i'm like this is sweet and so <laughs> I did all dungeons. yeah I, I am looking forward to it like i talked about earlier um i wasn't adverse to it but i was just a little like uh apprehensive towards the technology part of it but if you guys say it's cool then i'll get some more time uh but i don't have much else to say about it i didn't play much um but then i also picked up steam world SteamWorld Dig 2! Yeah. Hooray! Yep. So that's been fun. I, again, though, like just like with Zelda, I don't want to like get too into it and, and not get sucked, or not play Mario. But the last game I do want to talk about is Dragon's Lair. What? Yeah. Um, like the old arcade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I, so I had gotten... I had Xbox Live for or Gold or whatever for like a month or two. 
and I saw that it was one of the free games um, in November. So I downloaded that because uh, I had just finished watching Stranger Things season two. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll give it a shot. Have you guys all played it or at least tried it? I don't think it's the free game in November, man. It was. I, really? Yeah, I downloaded it for free. I maybe oh. it's just free. I maybe I don't know. It's I don't, Xbox 360. Okay, I don't remember it, but okay. Right, well, well, tell us about it. Uh, so none of you guys have played it. No, no. So, I know what it is, but it, yeah, for sure. Me two Z's. So um, it would be the perfect game to play like together with a group of guys because uh, I could just see it like being like a like a pass the controller type hot seat sort of thing, like where you each play like a little portion of the dungeon. But the game, um, the animation is is amazing, and the sound effects are hilarious. Um, the the mechanics are pretty strict, where um, so you'll you'll like your character will be walking. You're this knight, and you're trying to rescue the princess from Dirk something, right? Yeah, I I haven't even learned his name yet, but I think it is Dirk. It is, yeah, it's Dirk. I don't remember that girl. You're Dirk Diggler. Dirk, Dirk Diggler, Diggler, yeah, uh, and you're known for something <laughs> very big, uh, large sword. Um, anyways, though, so you're in you're in this dungeon, and um, the game is like super unforgiving. So like the first few seconds of the game, you are on this drawbridge and you fall through it because of um, like the wood is rotted away, and there's these like tentacle monsters in the moat that try to kill you. And if you don't push A for the sword button right when it appears, you'll die. And like you, the game is like so ruthless, you'll die constantly. But um, Anyways, that's the way the game is played. Is like the game will flash a little icon, and you're supposed to respond. Yeah, you're supposed to either like hit A for your sword, or left, or right, or forward, or or down. And um, it's it's a really fun game. I think my only complaint about the game is um, they'll recycle a lot of animation, and um, they will invert animation. So you'll do one wing of a dungeon, and um, it'll be like. It, it'll make it clear that you're going sort of toward the left of the dungeon and then you'll finish that sequence and then you'll um, go to another sequence and it will be the same exact animations just flipped over and it's like you're going to the right side of the castle so it's it's whatever it's like an older game but it is a great relic and it's super fun and I think it can be really awesome in like that sort of context we're playing with a group of friends but um, that's all I've been playing and I think we're going to take a quick little break because that was a long time if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Yo, 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 we're back. And uh, we want to talk about some... Amadeus. Wait, wait, no. What's that guy's name you do predictions for? It's not Amadeus. It's um, Dr. Seuss. Oh, Dr. Seuss. No. I thought it was uh, Young Dr. King Seuss. Nostradamus. Nostradamus. There we go. Nostafaru. <laughs> and, the um, Animaniacs guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we want to just talk a little bit about what we think is going to come out um, in the next 12 months or so. Not even what's going to come out, just predictions for the industry. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's not just that. There are a lot of games, I think, though, that we can... I'm curious. Hey, do you guys think they're going to even come out this year? You know? Sure. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. You guys can kick it off for me. I don't really have anything to predict. I don't. What do, really... what do you guys think about Kingdom Hearts 3? It was supposed to be... They announced at D23, the Disney Expo, 
that it would be released I, this I year. I feel like they have to because I, I'm sure they're getting pressured yeah. by Disney to put that out. Yeah, especially now that now that we've seen what Disney's Endgame with Star Wars is, they're they're probably like waiting for another thing to mass market like Kingdom Hearts. They they probably it's probably coming out this year. I I hope so. It's been too long. Like I mean, yeah. I don't. I guess like you know a month before I'll probably get excited, but yeah, it's been so. It's I been wonder, what, when was Kingdom Hearts two two thousand five? No, Kingdom Hearts yeah two thousand five no six no six. it was two thousand no because it was when we graduated high school it really? came out okay. in that like February or whatever. So it has been twelve years since the last numbered entry. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy because think of how many think of how many men our age have refused to grow up in waiting for Kingdom Hearts to keep all of their anime <laughs> angst inside of them. And how many belts people wear now. Yeah. I mean, they started seeing all the belts. I'm more of a goggles on the head guy. Is that <laughs> yeah. Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. Or? That's uh, totally Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Phew. Um, what do you guys think about uh, another one? And sorry, I'm just popping all the questions because uh, I got popping a lot. the question. Um, <laughs> you guys think Halo 6 is going to come out this year? I haven't heard anything about it. I don't think this year. I'm sure we'll it's see got, we'll see something at no, E3. No, I think it will because think Microsoft is as, as great as they've been with like uh, making changes to their like UI and their overall like thing that are very pro gamers. They just don't have any first party stuff. I bet they'll be a lot be, of games. They, yeah, like, they the they do period. need it. I mean, because we didn't see it. there wasn't anything Halo except uh, Halo Wars Two DLC oh, yeah, for yeah. last year at E3. But I think right? I think Microsoft has fortunately seen. I mean, it's kind of an anomaly the way Sony has like their where they announce something and people like worship them for it, and then it comes out five years later. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think they've tried to avoid that a lot, where they're kind of announcing things and then releasing them. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully, the fact that we haven't heard anything about Halo doesn't really mean anything other than like I bet they'll announce it and then it'll be like it comes out next week or in fall or something. I don't know. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. What do you guys think? And this will be the last one I ask till somebody else asks something. But what do you think about? We were talking about Tomb Raider earlier. Do you think there's gonna be a new one this year? They the last one was two years ago. Previous before that, I want to say was three years before I think it was that. Two years before that. Are two we years. are we talking a game release? Yeah, or I'm thinking. A game well, last time they did a Tomb Raider, it was release year of. Like I feel like they announced it. I feel like they announced it at E3 and then released it. But I could be wrong. I mean, it could yeah. Have been, I mean, uh, I I could. I would really hope for that. It's yeah. not something that was like. I was actually thinking about that today because I'm like, yeah, it's been a couple of years, and it yeah. seems like, I mean, even now, Tomb Raider is a freaking great looking game. Like they could just tweak their engine. They don't have to do. They don't have to make a new engine or anything like that. They've got like a solid background there. Um, so I, I would hope so. Me too. I mean, there's a movie coming out this year, right? Yeah, March. Yeah, it's really. This would be a good day. It who's, would be. Who's the actress? Alicia Vikander. Do you guys watch uh, Ex Machina? Yeah, uh, I know who you're talking she's about. So is good. she the same Such person that they've they modeled the character after in these new games? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure if that's her though. Yeah. To be honest, I think that's a no she lo- name. They look. They, she that looks, looks kind of like her, but I believe that's a different. She person. is married to Michael Fassbender. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's wow. crazy. Poor well, thing. Either way. Um, <laughs> either way. Uh, it would be a, awesome. with a new with a movie coming out. That would be a great marketing ploy. Um, so, I would say this is a great time to. This would be a great a great year for a new Tomb Raider. What else do you guys? What else do you guys think might come out this year? Are you guys Are you guys or seeing anything Borderlands related hitting the old market this year? Sure. Who knows? <laughs> My cat is totally trolling us right now. If you're now. watching us on video right now, you are <laughs> literally seeing something awesome. 
She um, hates Borderlands just as much as all of us do. So, well, I, you know, I, I would have thought that that a Borderlands, a new one, would be out by now. But the thing that Pitchford said about the graphics and all that kind of stuff makes me think that they probably are trying to like reboot it within themselves, and that it'll probably never come out. That's sad. Or that's it'll just sad. be lame when it comes out. Do you really think, though, uh, Josh? You didn't even play Destiny, right? And that's kind no, of the evolution no. of that style See, of shooter. I don't like that, though. Like, I I want Borderlands to come out and be just the way it is. The, okay, so you think it's they're still just gonna do like a single to four player co op? That would be that's that's thing. fun to me. I mean, that's okay. uh, and I know plenty of people who like those kinds of games, so it's not. They don't want to play it, Shadow Warrior Two or the other millions of games that are like that. Or yeah, I mean Shadow I, Warrior Two is like Borderlands. Yeah, it is literally a loot based what, four player. What shooters. Borderlands has well, it's really cool though, actually. Borderlands has good writing going for it and a very a uh, yeah. Borderlands is great writing. Borderlands Two, yeah. yeah. Borderlands Two is really funny. I'm gonna say good writing is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, it is funny at times, but. I am it's unlike no Donna. Frankenstein. <laughs> it's no Frankenstein. Unlike Donna, Stairs. I do not like Tiny Tina. I hate Tiny Tina. Oh man, um, Tiny Tina was great. I, I, <laughs> love, the, uh, <laughs> I know you love Tiny Tina. The, the but Brandon also liked Assassin's Creed Origins for the oh, story. Oh my so. goodness, I did not like Assassin's Creed Origins for the story, but the story was excellent. Okay, what else is there that's supposed to be coming out this year or that you guys think what may you, or may not? What are you guys thinking about a some sort of Final Fantasy VII remake announcement? You think we're going to see anything? No, because I think supposedly it's the same team as Kingdom Hearts Three, so there's <laughs> oh, no way we're getting God, that anytime we're... soon. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Why that would they do that? Why would they show it three years? No, two no, no. Years Why ago? would they have those people be the same teams? That seems. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I, I just <laughs> love how. They, what did they? It was two years ago that they showed the video. That was three, but yeah. yeah two. Anyways, two years ago for an episodic game, and we haven't heard anything. Like, you know, I mean, we pick on Sony a lot for this, but they need to stop showing games. I mean, that was not Sony though. That was at the Sony E3 it was press at the conference. Sony E3, yes. yes. I know it's not their fault that Square Enix also shows games. 10 years before they release. Square's trying not to do that anymore. Yeah, but they did it. Their New Year's resolution. It's uh, Final Fantasy 15 will always be the game I remember looking at before I played Final Fantasy 12. Right. We were in high school <laughs> when they first announced that game. Versus 13. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. yeah wow. 2006 was when Final Fantasy 12 came out. And I want to say... E3 2012 is when they announced 13 and Versus 13. Now Final Fantasy 15. Wow. And a Gito. And a Gito. Do you guys think we're going to see the new consoles this year? No. I hope Next not. New consoles? I don't know. Yeah. I, was, I hope Sony not. Sony still but... has all those first-party uh, first games coming out. So I Which ones? The ones that are The ones that they announced like years out? ahead of time. So, about God of War? Yeah, God of no War. No release date? And, and what was the, uh, the, zo- the big zombie one that everyone's obsessed with? Days Gone, Days right? Gone. Yeah, they still no got... No release date? I think they still have to have those games come out before they make What about Spider-Man? About When's the release date, Josh? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Nintendo probably has a bunch of surprises this year. I hope so. There's no Way, there's no way they're going to be dumb enough be. to like have such a killer year and then follow up with like nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Switch consoles have a uh, outsold Wii by this point. Wii U, yeah, yeah. in lifetime. Not Wii, but no, uh, no, no. Well, yearly sales, but yes, but not uh, like for for how long the Switch has been out. But yes, the, yes. They've yeah. outsold Wii U lifetime sales. In Japan. Right, but I'm talking about the Wii. Like it's yeah. outperforming the Wii, and it's so, outperforming yes. the PS2, which I think might have been the uh, the previous highest record holder. Which Maybe is it was crazy. The Wii. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, yeah, I I've heard there's rumor that I mean, you guys are listening to this probably on Wednesday or after that. There's a rumor that there might be a direct now, like from when they're listening. We're recording on Monday. There might be one on Wednesday. A new Nintendo Direct, yeah. yeah. Wednesday, oh, Metroid Thursday. Prime could be announced. Ooh. Yeah, the release um, date for that would be killed. Fire Emblem 
Yeah. Oh yeah, they announced that there would be a, a real fire, fire emblem this style. year. Oh sweet. Um. Yeah. There's a. There's. You know, people are hoping for like a Majora's Mask style Breath of the Wild. Oh. Um. A game that's a game that's set in this with the same engine, the same mecha- like, same world. So basically, like a different maybe like a different time for like a different not the same world literally yeah but like basically the same engine use a lot of the same assets and stuff I, like that i hope they do i that. hope that'd be great that's such it must be such a cool company to work for where you can keep things that secret like, yeah i think that that is like so rare yeah or so scary if you want to talk to people about it <laughs> i yeah. hope they do that with mario too not this it won't happen this year but um but that would be amazing yeah um Dragon Quest Eleven. I'm gonna. Oh, I hope um, that comes I, out. I really hope it's DK. I, I I know all these games sound great, but I just really want a new, new DK. DK. Yeah, that would be the that would be the biggest surprise because everything we've announced. I mean, except for the like the Zelda sequel and the Mario sequel, those are yeah. total conjecture. But DK would be something that makes a ton of sense. There's not a. I haven't heard a single rumor for it. Yeah, but um, I, I don't think the team on Metroid Prime Four is retro. So the team who's made the previous two DK games, so yeah, rare is. What it? are they doing? No, it's no, no. rare is owned by Microsoft. Yeah, rare has been. It was rare. Sea of Thieves, the rare game, is okay. coming out for Microsoft. Yeah, um, the last the the Donkey Kong Country reboots were handled by Retro, who made Metroid Prime. Okay, um, which is also an awesome game. Yeah, um, so Donkey Kong, a new Donkey Kong would be quite awesome. Um, Again, Dragon Quest Eleven is supposedly coming out this yeah. year. So for Switch, though, it'll be a. Switch oh well, exclusive. we don't know about Switch. So we know oh, okay, that there's fine. something Dragon Quest that will come to Switch, yeah. but so and it's supposed to be Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, that's what it said. But so, it's, we're talking about Switch Directs, aren't we? It's yeah. a Nintendo Direct, yeah. Oh, Nintendo so, Direct. So um, they they might announce because the Dragon Quest Eleven is an interesting game where they there's literally two versions of it. There is a, and and one of the versions is two versions. So there's three versions of it. There's a handheld 3DS version which you can toggle between. Like Super Nintendo style graphics oh, yeah. and like 3D ish graphics. That's pretty cool. And then there's the console game, the PS4, PS4 version, which is way more of like a cinematic animation kind of game. Which might be the Switch um, one, is what I'm. I I'm hope assuming. it's powerful enough, but uh, I think I think you can do it. it either way, I tools. might play all three. So yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I can't get enough of Dragon Quest. So do, I do what? you think we'll see a uh, Pokemon come yeah. out this year? Well, I mean, I don't know about Switch? this year. They mentioned that it's coming, but it might be another year. We call Pokemon Stop, and <laughs> it's for how long you sit still, Pokemon just come to you and yeah. you catch them. All right, all right. Um, I think it's time to hear about Starfield officially from Bethesda. Yeah. So is that a new IP? Like what a, yeah. So so Bethesda has has said that they're working on three projects. One is like a freemium game that they're hoping to redefine freemium games with. Okay. Two of them are their normal type of large-scale projects, but even bigger. Hmm. One of them's got to be Elder Scrolls Six, yeah. but I don't think we'll see it anytime soon. You don't think it's going to be this year? Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're explicit again. We're explicit. Um, Sorry, guys. Because they've, they've 2011 said, was the last Elder Scrolls Right, but they've, release, said, so. they've said over and over again that the that the science fiction IP is coming out before Elder Scrolls. I want to put not this down on paper. It. Elder Scrolls 6. Frank <laughs> says it's coming. We are going to see that E3. It is going to release just, in You're November. just thinking that because Jason Schreier said that, right? I think it's going to happen still. I, a, lot of, a lot of people in the games industry have, games journalism industry have predicted that they think it's coming out. If, they, if, that, if that ends up happening, I predict that Starfield is canceled. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, um, but Bethesda's on fire right now, so I think they'll release anything. Like, outside of Prey, oh, wait, actually, Wolfenstein 2 didn't sell well either. But critically, 
it did really yeah. well. So I can't really say that. But there's no way there's no way that their team is is like their team is big, but their games are bigger. So it's like they're probably focusing on one. I don't think we're gonna get Elder Scrolls Six this year because they just because they've said that Starfield's coming first, which Starfield is not even that's like a leaked title because of like yeah. a Target ad. So, but that's the one they've said they're doing first. My biggest complaint of this whole year, you guys know what this probably is because I talked about it a billion times. You think we're going to see the virtual console? No. I, <laughs> no. I don't know. If There's we don't no see reason it, for them to do it. By this time next year, if I, don't, if I don't have the ability to at least play, I don't know, Super Mario World, that's at least a safe bet on my Switch, I'm going to be very disappointed. I, it's become a great console, so I don't, I don't care as much as I did at the beginning, but... Still crazy to say like, hey, we don't want to sell you these games that we would you'd gladly buy, even though they're old. Yeah, I I really hope that they do it as well. I don't want to talk about it tonight, but you mean you want to talk about <laughs> it all night long? <laughs> I I would like to play those games um eventually, but you know I'd rather them focus the energies on awesome new titles. Yeah, I would I would I I would say the chances of Nintendo announcing a new handheld only handheld is more likely than a virtual console. <laughs> yeah, I hope they don't do that. <laughs> no, they won't. That would be stupid, but I'm saying that that is more likely. I feel, um, I feel like the virtual console is kind of something they can keep in their back pocket should things ever go south for the Switch. That's hey, true. here's the thing, <clears throat> and I encourage everyone listening to pirate this because Nintendo is so stubborn with their Terrible legacy enough. catalog. Just apparently modding a Super Nintendo Classic is beyond easy to get every regular Nintendo and Super Nintendo game on an already HDMI ready like console upgrade or, you know, so I would just, I mean, that's probably what I would say to do and forget the virtual console. I just want it to be portable and I want to take it around with me and play instead of ukulele. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of games I'd rather play. I mean, there's a lot of people like that. Like I am the opposite where I... I like cared very little to play my Switch on the go, so um, that's the best part of it. It's nice. I like playing it on the couch sometimes, or playing it like at work when I'm like working. Yeah, while you're working, <laughs> it's fun. It was like like I played. <laughs> I played. Um, I played uh, Shovel Knight uh, like in handheld yeah, mode, and out that of was necessity though, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. out of necessity, but like that's a game that was very enjoyable in handheld mode. But yeah, some honestly, are. like I didn't enjoy Zelda probably as much as I would have. Because I just didn't enjoy it on handheld. Mode. I played Zelda. The first two hours that I played Zelda were on handheld. And that's that to me, like, is like a big part of why I didn't continue playing it is how it played on handheld. I personally just didn't enjoy it because it was too big for it to me. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. But I played most games, uh, most of the bigger games, 50 50. Yeah, that's how I played Mario. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what's, that is something that's really cool about the Switch. Like, buy one copy. It's nice to have that option. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Have I don't really have anything else to predict, my dogs, y'all. Um, let's we, see. Yeah, I'm we sure. can wrap it up because I know it's getting a little bit on the late sea side. Real quick though, should we? Can we run down just a few of the games coming out in January? Please, please, please. There's just three games. Okay, you can do three games. Okay, I w- <laughs> these three games are just something I want to talk to you, dudeleys, about, and then I want to ask you what games you guys are interested in. Just because I want to know games that are coming out in. Um, January, because these are the three that I thought were interesting and stupid. Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition. <laughs> I just want to bring that up because when they announced Street Fighter Five, they said this would be the only copy of the game ever made, and they wouldn't make any other editions. 
and they I mean lied. That, that's wrong like three times already, right? <laughs> now this is this is the first re like released <laughs> wrong. Uh, retail. Um, the other game is Lost Sphere. Is that Sphere. still Sony exclusive though? Yeah, it's so dumb. Uh, Sony PC. Um, the other game is Lost Sphere. We've talked about it a lot. I'm excited. I want to play it. Yeah, yeah looks great. Yeah. yeah, us. Hopefully, all of us at CBS are going to play it. Um, I'm going to sneak a fourth one in here real quick too. Monster Hunter World is the third one. Do you guys are you guys interested in that? What was it? Monster Hunter World. It's the PC, PS4, Xbox One game. I can't handle those games. They're really cool looking, but yeah. they are so so hard to play. Yeah, super intense. Josh, you- I honestly I didn't even know that it was coming out on Xbox One till earlier this week. So yeah, it's and just a so part of me wants to buy it just to like support games on Xbox One. Yeah, but, yeah. And just because this is a show favorite, Dissidia, Final Fantasy. How's that a show favorite? I, We've I, talked I about Final Fantasy games nonstop. I, I just mean because so, I don't you know want to play it. You know what's weird? PS4. I really enjoy the handheld Dissidia's, but something about this one looks bad to me. Like it looks like the graphics look bad or something weird like that. So what game then, if any, in January are you guys excited for? Start me off, Davey. Lost Fear. Lost Fear? Hmm. Maybe Kirby. Kirby <laughs> for 3DS? It looks fun. Yeah. Sounds fun. I mean, it's problem is 3DS game. So I'm Lost Sphere as well with yeah. Donna and Jank. Yes. Yeah, yep. I don't even know what Lost Sphere is. You should download the demo. We've talked about it a lot. It's uh, have Square we? Enix. It's the prequel to Found yeah. Sphere. It's uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's like a it's like a old style RPG coming out for the Switch. Oh, it's so not, it's, it's different than Octopath. Too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh no. I, okay. I, I recall it. Um, yeah, it just depends on how the dialogue is, because uh, awesome. pretty strict on dialogue these you days. You loved Project <laughs> Octopath's dialogue. I loved parts of it. I also hated parts of it. That's all I'll say. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that I played the demo. That's an awesome one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else coming out in January? January is a slow month. We'll talk about the end of the month, too. I just want to bring up this stuff, like uh, beginning, end of the month. We tried doing this in August, and I forgot. Anything else? Will you close us out, my boy? Yeah, we'll just do a quick prayer to uh, young King Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's inspired us, and we just want to thank him for his uh, wisdom. And, uh, you know, shout out to young King Dave. Gang. Amen. Amen. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.